Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, it's your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into a very somber edition of Bandwagon Nerds. As it's going to be a rough, rough couple of hours for your good friend Patrick. We are coming to you recording here on a Sunday as I recover from my beloved Fighting Illini going down to Loyola, Chicago. Sad feelings. And I feel like it's just going to get rougher given today's agenda, at least in one segment. I am, of course, welcoming you into Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. I am, of course, joined by the whole team this week. We got them all. We have got the Reverend Ray Cash back after a two week absence. We have got the live studio audience, PC Tunney, and we have got. The lawyer himself, David Ungar. Any depositions today, Dave? Nope. No, no Sunday work. Nope. All right. I, I actually only spent. I only kept that dude there for like forty minutes yesterday because he actually gave me what I wanted. So I'm like, okay, you're cool. You can go now. Very nice. Very nice. And and Ray, welcome back to the show. It's good to have you back. Good to be back. Uh, I had to mine for a couple of weeks. No, I'm back to the land of the living, and it's good to be back. And uh, for the record. Uh, y'all wrong for y'all's number one last week, but it's cool. It's all good. It's all love. Well, who's I wasn't wrong. My number one won the poll. Well, see, I hadn't listened to the show for that very reason, so I'm assuming all y'all, all y'all gonna get this blame. My no, no, my I didn't even put that movie on my list. It was not on oh, my oh. list. Ray, well, you, so, Tony, back so me you're up cool here. then. You're cool. Right, it's Tony's number one. Was Tony's number one? Because we know how you so like I, uh, sorry, creepy crawly sorry, no, things, Ray. But anyway. Thank you for that. How you yes, doing, man? Thank you so much. How you been? I'm good, man. I have been busy as hell. I have I have been busy than a mug, but I'm it's, I'm glad to be home. Glad to be back with my boys and uh, perfect timing too, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. This is for a big show for the longest episode in history. You are here, my man. Well, we say it's going to be the longest episode of history in history. We only have three items on the agenda today. We'll do a quick rundown of them. Of course, we are going to talk about. The two debuts that hit this weekend, we will, of course, talk about the first episode of Captain America and, or sorry, damn it, I keep messing this up, The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. I'm sorry, I'm just already Soon to be. with Sam. Yeah. 
it's soon to be Captain America. Hole. So <laughs> there's grizzled young veterans there. when you need them, huh? Soon, soon to be. I, I put him there, and I keep forgetting that he's not there yet. Uh, we will, of course, talk about the Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, the four-hour HBO Max debut. Which will probably be difficult as I'm going to have to listen to three super fans hyperbolize what was otherwise a good, but I would argue not great superhero movie. Anyway, we'll get to that later. We're going to dive right in because we have a limited agenda and you all started late for my sake. We're going to start on the Marvel side of things because I, I just I know that's going to be faster. So, episode one of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier dropped on Friday. And as we've talked about in a lot of other shows, this one kind of feels more of a callback to previous shows we reviewed, where it seems to be much more about setting a stage for the rest of the series. We just to kind of give a quick synopsis, we open the we open the show with Sam Wilson not taking on the shield and actually giving it back to the United States government where he gives his speech and it is placed in the Smithsonian. We get a catch up uh, with Sam and sort of what he's been doing. He has been helping the military on special ops and we get a fun little appearance with uh, GSP reviving his character as the leaper from Captain America winter soldier. We follow Bucky as we look at his life post oh that houston internet is working great today he's already froze frozen ray off oh he's bobbing he's bobbing he's he's weaving there he goes yeah i'm left froze but i'm switching yeah yeah just uh yeah maybe he's got a bug Audience, what do you what do you think? What do you, what do you think in there? That's uh, it's kind of maybe maybe we should have said that the Reverend is back in spirit. That's maybe maybe that's what. Hi, we... <laughs> right, you but you back, buddy? You okay? I mean, yeah, I was there the whole time. I heard everything you were saying, but I switched internet to my uh, uh, little mic. Right. Well, so what, what, there we go. What were you well, saying, Ray? You were saying yeah. something. There. I just said Lelip. That's all I said was Lily. Oh, Lily. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then we get a little follow of Bucky uh, and his life and what he's been doing post, uh, post, god damn, I'm in game. I'm sorry. I'm out of sorts. I'm just so depressed. And suck it up, you I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry. Everything's sad. Anyway. Oh, no, Christopher Robbins. I think he is depressed. Right, and we get a we get a big we we find that Bucky's well, been going pants, therapy. Therapy. Sorry, I'm done. Being being pulled, being challenged by his therapist to kind of pull himself out of his isolation. We do learn that he has been keeping friends with his old World War II buddies, and then we we cut to this. We have this mysterious organization going around that believes that the world should go back to the way it was during the blip. 
and seems to be making an active active attempt to try and bring down supers all over again. And we wrap with an introduction of the United States government deciding that they need a new Captain America, that they need someone else to step in and cue the final shot of a man in Captain America-esque garb that we would all know as U.S. agent. And can we just say he's got like the goofiest head ever? Like, is it just me or is the dudes like, like, and I'm sure it's partially intentional. Like he just looks kind of goofy. It looks yeah. like a cartoon. Right. It's not what I right. thought so, of when I thought of John Walker, but. <laughs> you thought of yeah. Johnny? Johnny Walker. <laughs> but and I guess that's the thing is in the comics, he does look serviceable the, the guy who i don't even know who the actor is and i don't, I don't know if somebody wants to effort it while we're talking about it his, but it looks like a his goof. name is wyatt russell wyatt russell what have we seen wyatt russell in does anybody know no clue. dave yes sir all right now tony or i will will find out what he's done in the meantime i'm sure tony tony the live studio audience is on it so okay well let's get some thoughts on this episode ray why don't you kick us off you haven't been on the show for a couple weeks so you watched uh you watched the falcon and winter soldier what what were your initial reactions and how do you think this episode did uh well first off uh of all of the shows besides hawkeye this was my the one i was most looking forward to for a myriad of reasons number one i've read all the source materials so i was looking forward to seeing how they played into it Number two, um, the whole reason they got the show is because Mackie and Sebastian Stan, as actual people, have fantastic, impeccable chemistry. Uh, but thirdly, because it was probably going to be the closest thing to the movies. The rest of these shows are going to be fairly experimental um, or kind of contained, but this would be almost a, a, a offshoot of the movies. And um, so I think they. I think the, the first episode knocked out the park. I mean. Nothing is perfect, but this was really good because it gave us a whole lot to digest in an hour, but all kind of contained in the same world. Um, and I love how they hit on so many, for all of the Marvel-esque stuff that we saw, you know, the fantastic fight sequence and flight sequence with Falcon taking down LAF and uh, Batrock. Um, seeing Bucky going in the past, killing people in Hydra and then trying to make amends by hanging out with old dude's dad who he killed for no reason, you know. But I, all that was the the um, Joaquin Torres, who's actually becomes the new Falcon in the in the comics, fighting the Flag Smasher guy. Like, there's a lot of Marvel stuff. But from a personal standpoint, Bucky talking to the therapist, the conversation that Sam and his sister had at the um, loan officer uh, about not being able to get a loan. There were so many real-life things, and I think that's what Marvel has done better than any superhero studio or most studios in general, is that they don't just... They have these gods and these superheroes, but they still make it grounded. I mean, the Falcon just got through fighting Thanos, and he can't get a loan. You know what I'm saying? Like, the dude was like, clearly you got money. He was like, I don't. I take government contracts because I ain't got no money. It's it's a it's a really cool thing um, how they think about it. And just for those of you who, have who don't know the actual backstory of what this story will entail, 
the government doesn't want a black man to be Captain America. They want outwardly say it, but that is the catalyst. A lot of the reasonings behind it, they don't think Sam is fit for the shield. And to see these conversations happen, the conversation with him and Rhodey at the beginning of the episode, Rhodey was like, why didn't you just take it? And uh, probably the most relatable moment of the entire episode was at the end when his sister comes and tells him, you got to put the TV on. And John Walker comes out with the shield and you see Sam's face go, what the fuck did I just do? I mean, it was it was as good, a, I think, a premiere as you could have. And this was if one division was a miniseries, this is a mini miniseries because it's just six episodes. So you got to get to the getting really fast. Yeah. Well, they said this they set it be, up really they, good. They said, they said it's basically an extended movie, is the way yeah. that Feige has described that one. So, definitely laying some good groundwork. I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, the interactions with Sam and his sister because that's the other thing is there are some. You, you use the word grounded, and I think that's a very good way of describing it. This is definitely not Wandavision, right? Like this is going to be much more, I think, steeped in reality and real-world stuff because these are more street-level guys. I mean, Bucky is unique because he's 106 years old, but at the same time, he's still, in the grand scheme of the power spectrum, he's he's not. Like, he's... He's a he's big human with a metal arm. Yeah, he's but right. he's a guy. He's a variation of a super soldier, but he's not the super soldier. None of them are. Dave, what did you think as I waited till you had a mouthful of food to uh, to ask you this question? We no secrets here on the bandwagon, by the way. That's fantastic. <laughs> I no, it's just I was just chewing on some ice actually. But um, a lot of what Ray said, I agree with. It, it seems to me that what they're doing is this is the story arc that took place in the comics. I, I mean, a variation of it, not the exact story. But this is when after Captain America gets killed at the end of Civil War. In the comics, this is the same same general story arc where you had the same problem where Bucky got the shield and was very reluctant to take it and wanted Sam to take it. And then you had the introduction of John Walker, who tries so hard to become Captain America and fails miserably at the whole thing. So it seems to me we are going down that path as to that storyline underlying all this. It seems like Marvel wants to establish that there is a void that needs to be filled by Steve's absence. We need to get a new Captain America. This six-episode miniseries, mini-miniseries, is their journey to the new Captain America. Who's going to... Somebody's going to end up permanently with that shield at the end of these six episodes, and it's going to be one of those three guys, and we don't know which one, but that's going to be the new flag bearer moving forward, and I think that's... The feeling I got watching this first episode is they're setting all this into motion to establish who is going to be the new Captain America moving forward. Uh, but the episode was fantastic. The stuff at the beginning with Falcon and uh, and Red Wing, which is not a real Falcon. It's a it's a automated right. machine robotic android. I don't know what it is, but it's badass. It's, it's a drone. Yeah, it's, it's a drone. It's absolutely right. badass. It's not, and it's not the first time we've seen Red Wing. Right. So that, we, we saw him in, in Civil War. So that's awesome that, that they brought him back. Um, there's, yeah, Bucky's Winter Soldier. I, I, I mean, it's it, he's, as Ray noted, wrestling with his past and coming to terms with what he did in the past. So much so that he's seeing a therapist. 
he goes on a very awkward first date, which was fun. Well, well, well let's be clear. He's mandated to go see a therapist. Because he was pardoned. They make a point. That is a condition yeah. of his parole. Pardon. Is that he has, or pardon, is that he has to see this therapist. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to be there. He does, she doesn't he really doesn't. want him there. I, I get the impression. She's not thrilled about it either. But uh, yeah, Sam's relationship with his sister and the real world interactions with the loan officer where it's just like, dude, can I have a selfie with you? You're famous and all this. But it doesn't change the fact that he won't give him a loan because... I mean, and, right. and it's it's a dick move, yeah, but he is doing his job. He's looking at the financials and says, you guys have no income for five years. How can I give you a loan? I understand who you are, and it's great, but that's the cool part about this is that, you know, in contrast to what you see, what we're going to talk about on the DC side of things where the superheroes are glorified and really never have to worry about anything, on the Marvel side, they're brought right back down to the street level. And, you know, you don't really think of Falcon as a street level hero, but he is. And, and and you see that here that he's like, wow, this guy can't get a loan. Bucky doesn't have a pot to piss in. Uh, it's it's a fascinating take on where these two heroes are at this point in, in the in the Marvel chronology of events. And uh, it is, you know, we're going down the path to see who's going to be who's going to take that mantle. Who's going to be the next Captain America? One of those three is going to do it. Tony, thoughts? It's it's such a 180 from WandaVision and the fact that WandaVision was such a fictitious and outright non... It, it never threatened your mind as this was real life when you were watching WandaVision. But now you continue this story where it's the freaking real world as we're talking about, right? Like you're you're seeing no matter who you are that this is the real world and, and that's not always right. Um, so I think we're tackling bigger issues, bigger real life issues that need to be tackled in this series. So I really hope they do it the right way. Um, the the scene where where he like you just brought up with Red Wing and, and Chase and GSP that that was phenomenal. That was just excellently shot. I, I enjoyed every second of that. And then you talk about Bucky going on the date. I mean, it's really weird because we're going to talk about another uh, possible uh, relationship between someone much much older, but only the genders are going to be reversed down the road here. Um, when we talk about something else, Wyatt Russell, uh, 22 Jump Street, Cowboys and Aliens, uh, The Walking Dead. Mm, what else we got here? Arrested Development. He's done a lot of stuff. So huh. he has that pronounced Jay Leno jaw. So that's why that mask looks a little bit weird on him. Right. It just looks kind of, kind of goofy and, and, and I'm here for it. We didn't get a big reveal. We got a hint of the kind of the big bad to come. We all know that Baron Zemo's coming uh, complete with the mask this time, which is going to be which is going to be exciting. I do love that that Marvel's leaning into some of its classic looks as we get into these series. We saw it in Wandavision. We're we're going to see it again uh, with uh, with Zemo, and so that ought to be uh, a good time as well. Are there? I don't know. Like it's a very foundational episode, so I don't know that there's a whole heck of a lot to talk about or even to really speculate about. We're just kind of getting started. Oh, Ray, Ray, you're nodding. Are you agreeing? Oh, there, or are you nodding? The no, there's a myriad of things, but I'm, you know, all right. I'm, go ahead and speculate. I may, I may be the conspiracy theorist on this on the show, but you are. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> I think, I got his last word. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think there are two that are undeniable. The first one um, being the flag smasher guy, because there's two leaders oh, yeah. of flag smashers. And he has super strength. There, and, and, and at the end of the show, uh, when uh, Torres was telling Sam, 
there was like a hint like there's more foot to this. And we know how Steve was created. That same serum was kind of flipped and changed and almost used to get Bucky. We know that serums exist, right? So, or somebody got to know about it. Could the government be creating the Flag Smasher guys kind of as a red herring to have a reason for a new Captain America? There's something afoot there. There's something that's not on the nose. And the second thing is, if you watch the credits, they give you a lot of Easter eggs in the credits. They show uh, Isaiah Bradley, the first black Captain America. They show um, Thunderbolt Ross, possibly with his uh, turn to Red Hulk. There's a lot of stuff there that is, a, is more souls to think about that we may not touch in this series, but surely will be going on in the future. Friendly reminder that Mephisto did not show up in WandaVision. Friendly reminder that Nightmare did not show up in WandaVision. I'm done trusting Easter eggs. I'm going to say it right here. I'm done being that guy. I'm going to let them tell me the show. That's because, fair. like, and I don't mind speculating. I don't mind seeing, like, an Easter egg here or there. Like, you, you mentioned, like, oh, look at that. But I'm not going to read into it to the point where I'm like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Uh, at least this week. Now, next week. Who knows? I may be back on the proverbial bandwagon as it is. But well, there were Easter Wanda eggs, and then there were outright teases. Right. Well, that's the thing is, Wandavision gave you outright teases in the form of Easter eggs, or what we thought were outright teases that were really Easter eggs. Uh, that I just I remember part of the disappointment for me at the end of Wandavision, which was not, and I want to say disappointment. Not in the sense of, oh my God, I hated this show. It was so disappointing. Everybody knows that's not true. But we had put ourselves in a place where we thought it was going to be X and it was really Y the whole time. And I know that's part of what Marvel does. I just kind of want to take this one in. Uh, I do expect some sort of conspiracy because that's that's kind of the story that they tell with the Captain America. Like government espionage and government like treachery is is a big part of the Captain America Falcon mythos. So so that's that's what I got. Dave, any final thoughts? No, nah, I mean nothing really. I mean it's hard after one episode where they they pack quite a bit into that one episode and lots of action, lots of good stuff going on, lots of uh I mean yeah, lots of world building in an initial episode, but I'm definitely intrigued because the whole replacement Captain America storyline that happened after Civil War in the comics is fantastic. I don't know how you replicate anything close to that in six episodes, but it sure looks like they're going to try. Uh, These are a little bit longer episodes too, though, aren't they? they Do we get like 45 minutes of runtime on this one? Right. So we're looking at like a six hour movie. So I, uh, I think that I'm less worried about that. I think that there's plenty of room for the story to breathe. And I think there's plenty of room for exposition, but yeah, I think we got a lot to. Uh, fucking Demarco just texted me. No, oh, do you have to go on his show or something? Is he doing a special no. episode or something? No, he's, he's trolling my misery. That's what he's doing right now. Just tell me you're a Cardinal fan Absolutely. now, and that should shut him up. Yeah, I'm an Arizona Cardinal fan now, so we'll move on with that. Uh, if you listen to Chair Shot Radio this mo- or, uh, Sunday morning, you would have you would have caught that. I-, I love that you picked the only franchise that's been worse historically than the Bears. I was just trying to find anything. I didn't want to do the Niners. I didn't want. I was trying to pick a team that made at least a <laughs> decision 
that that helped their team, even if it was J.J. Watt and his broken ass. So that's where that came from. I think that tells me that we can close the book on our uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier conversation. We are going to take a quick commercial break before we go into the next segment. When we, when we come back, we will be discussing the Zack Snyder Justice League. You're listening to the Chair Shot, or I'm sorry, you're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chair Shot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the greatest sports entertainment spectacular of all time. Welcome to WrestleMania. <laughs> Hey folks, PC Tony here. Make sure you're checking out Mania Madness every Friday afternoon on thechairshot.com. Christopher Platt and a rotating list of guests go through every WrestleMania one six-pack at a time. Check it out every Friday only on the Chairshot Radio Network. We are back. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Cheering up already after talking a little Marvel. So that's good. What are we? We're what are we up to on the Mania Madness? We're up to, what are we up to like in the 16, 17, 18 range? Nineteen to so twenty-four, epi- right? PC. Well, the episode that so just came the out episode on that just dropped. Yep, the episode that just came out on Friday covers WrestleMania thirteen through eighteen. So you start with Brett versus Stone Cold, and you end with The Rock and Hogan. So it's a really Really interesting. It's the start of the Attitude Era. I had a great discussion. Next week, we're going 19 to 24. If you look at ratings of WrestleManias, 19 to 24 is probably the best block. Oh, that's a, um, that's a sweet spot. So, And speaking of blocks, we're looking to have Mike Knox from around the blocks with us, me, Dave, and Christopher Platt. So look for that next Friday afternoon on thechairshot.com. Excellent. 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 Honey, okay. I'm sorry. Oh, I geez. love you. Okay. So... Let's get this over with. Let's talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League, the extended cut. I feel like somebody else got the music. Somebody, somebody else should have hosted the show today. <laughs> this is just a day of misery for Patrick O'Dowd. I'm just, I am going to eeyore the crap out of this. Yeah, so no, I just want to let me let me start here for you. I put out a poll and asked people, thumbs up or thumbs down, Zack Snyder cut Justice League. I I only voted once personally. I only voted once. It got 34 votes, 30 people gave it thumbs up, and four people gave it thumbs down. So I'm not saying, I'm just saying that's that's pretty solid. I cast my vote in the comments. Uh, so <laughs> Other. Okay. Let me let me start with this. I'm gonna I'm gonna get get this out of the way. Vent, Patrick. Get it all out right I'm at the outset. I'm not gonna vent at all. I'm not gonna vent. Can this I ask you a one word? Home. Can I ask you a can I ask you a one-word question? And sure. in turn, in turn, your answer should be the same one word. You ready? Yes. Better. Better. Yes. I. There is no question in my mind that this was a better film than the Joss Whedon film that was dropped out. I was not blown away by it the way that a lot of other folks are, and that's okay. And. You know, say what you say what you will. Uh, part of it, I will say, is I can't stand Zack Snyder's style of directing action. I hate it. Slow motion takes me way out of it, and he uses it way too much. I felt that four hours, while in nice digestible chapters, which I think was a wise decision if people wanted to like stop and go through, was a good move. 
I don't know that you needed all of what you added in, though I do get why you added all of the what you added in. I think the biggest beneficiary out of this, without question, and the biggest change to Whedon to Snyder was Ray Fisher. Like Ray Fisher should be sending him multiple gift baskets at this point because Cyborg as a character is explained and there is exposition and there is we we connect way more with Ray Fisher. Now, the Flash, I was actually a little surprised that there wasn't a little bit more developing of the Flash. Like there was a little bit more, but I was surprised that that particular character wasn't fleshed out a little bit more. He was pretty much the same. The other thing that I will say is that the story itself fundamentally didn't change. And it was told better, but fundamentally the story was basically the same. Steppenwolf coming back to bring about uniting the mother boxes to bring back dark side. Now there's some other elements that are a part of that again, in the history and exposition that kind of explains dark side's motor or I'm not dark side, Steppenwolf, Steppenwolf and dark side's motivations as to what they're doing there and why, like the revenge tale is very nice that he's that, that, Dark side is now the foe that the ancient people of Earth were taking on. Like narratively, it is a better film. I just didn't feel like it was like it was good. I don't know that it to me it didn't blow me away. Um, and some of that's I think is my own personal. I don't like this sort of style. I don't like what he did. I also um, and we can get into this. I want to let the rest of you guys gush about it real quick. I don't know that the changes were made that were made to give this thing an R rating needed to be made to give it an R rating. In the sense that you could have done most of what was done in that movie and not had it been R, like outside of a couple of fucks and beheading and some blood spatters. Like really, at the end of the day, what made it what made it necessary to be an R movie outside of like three or four things? But let's save that. First, just go around. Dave, you've got the mic in front of your face. Respond to Justice League. First off, I, I don't even know if that warranted an R rating, to be honest with you guys. That's the softest R rating ever. There's really not. I mean, you say fuck a couple times, you behead Steppenwolf. Really, what else did they do that warranted an R rating, right? They, they added blood splashes galore a la Snyder. Particularly, It's particularly noticeable in Wonder Woman's first action scene. Suddenly, everybody's getting knocked into the wall, and there's a bloody grease stain where the dude was left behind. And, wow. <laughs> which probably makes sense, but it, like you, you didn't need that. Like That added nothing to the scene, right? Like Did it really add anything to the scene? Not really. So right. I'm going to read what I posted on Facebook, and this sums up what I think about this. And this is what I said. This is all I will say about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Is it the same movie? Absolutely not. Is it a better movie? A thousand times yes. Should you invest four hours of your time to watch it? If you're even remotely a DC or even a superhero fan, it's not a question of should you watch it. You need to watch it. And that's honestly how I feel about this. Uh, it, it, is, it is absolutely, yes, there are points that they go across that are identical, but if you watch this movie, this is not the same movie. The way everything's laid out is different. The way they get to even the points that repeated from Joss Whedon's version, the way they get there, the pacing that they get there is different. Yeah, Cyborg's story was much more fleshed out. I actually have to completely disagree with you, Pat, on the, on the Flash issue. Flash is a completely different character to me. He's gone from this bumbling, uncertain kid 
from the Joss Whedon version who didn't even know how do I save somebody to who I look at as Barry Allen, who is confident, who knows his powers. He knows about the speed force. He knows exactly how far he can push things. He knows that he can get to the, to, uh, the speed of light. He knows the impact that that can have on time travel. That is not the flash from the Joss Whedon version who was uncertain of everything. This is a confident character who knows how powerful he is. Yes, he has some awkwardness to him. Yes, he does have some comic relief. But to me, this Flash was much more Barry Allen and a lot less Wally West. And I always felt like in Joss Whedon's Justice League, it's like, that's Wally West's Flash. That's not really Barry Allen. So I loved what they did with Flash. Um, beyond that, I mean, I mean, Batman's character, I've heard people say it's too dark. They removed the comedy. Good. You didn't need all the Joss Whedon one-liners and all the bullshit that he did in there. This is not a Marvel movie. Not supposed to be a Marvel movie. I, I just thought there's so many little subtle things, and I, I want to turn it over to Ray. But I, I've heard people they don't they, they don't if you haven't read or played Injustice, then the whole thing that lasts in the epilogue you're going to get lost on that. But that's hugely important when you think about the fact that when Lois looks in her nightstand and she sees her Daily Reporter placard, there's a pregnancy test sitting right there. And Zack Snyder has now said, yes, she was pregnant during this, which leads you to a fork in the road where either you end up with stuff that we know where she has a child and it's John and it's Clark's son, or you go the other direction where the Joker has killed Trick Superman into killing her and the child and you're down the injustice path. It was, and they didn't overplay the dream sequence. They did it in that one spot and the interaction between Batman and Joker is fucking chilling. And I love Jared Leto's performance. I can't believe I'm saying this. I loved his performance because he actually brought in, as much as he could, he brought in elements of Heath's portrayal of the Joker. Can't do it like Heath. I'm not saying that. Don't tag that on me. But he brought in elements of that to his portrayal of the Joker. And Batman coming back saying, you know, when Harley was dying in my arms, last thing she wanted me to do was to kill you. And make no mistake, I will fucking kill you. It was really well done. There are Lots of elements that this movie was, I mean, the only thing I say is it's sad that there will be no follow-up to this. More than likely, they're not going to do it. But this was infinitely better than the first version in just about every way possible. I, and I understand, Pat, you raise a lot of good points. You don't like Zach's directorial style, directorial style. I get it. But just from a substance standpoint, this was a lot better. I mean, everything about this movie was much better. And I never, and I never said it was a bad movie. I know. I'm just saying, and, and I and I respect I respect everything you said, and I respect your opinion about Zack Snyder, and and I get it. I do. From my standpoint, all of the slow motion. <laughs> I mean, that's so that's fun. one thing. From my standpoint, from I'm just looking at it from from the story that they told from start to finish was, I mean, yeah. I I I told people. I said, look, I will say this right now. Is it better than Age of Ultron? I think so. I would put it right up there with the first Avengers. It's not Endgame and it's not Infinity War, although lengthwise it's about the same. But I would, I would say you look at where Avengers was in the chronology of events as to where this one was. Yeah, it's a comparable movie to the first Avengers. That's my opinion. So I yield the floor, gentlemen. Your turn, Ray. That's lofty, man, because uh, Avengers for the longest was looked at as the only perfect superhero movie of this generation. So... Um, I, I want to, I, 
I want to touch on because we're all going to have different opinions on this. And of course, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was miles better. It was a drastically different movie. Um, literally, of course, for those of you who are literal, it is not a, a, it is not a different movie because clearly, as Pat said, it's the same it's the same core story. And there are very similar, if not some of the same actual moments. But it is dramatically different narratively. I'm going to point out some of those differences. First and foremost, you, you, you spoke about the difference in Lois in this movie and last movie, right? That's majorly different. Remember, she was brought in as a big gun. In this one, she kept going to the place to remember his memory and wouldn't go back to work. We never got that in the last in the last one. Um, speaking of narratively, you got the narrative. We, you spoke about it, both of you. But Cyborg's narrative, not just fleshed out character, but the, the relationship between Vic and Silas Stone. Silas, who's the worst fucking father in the history of DC Universe. Right. And to see that dynamic played out in real time, and not just him giving himself up uh, when Steppenwolf came to get the mother box to tag it, but the... Uh, the little um, recorder that he recorded for Vic. And Vic, one of my favorite uh, scenes between Silas and um, Joe Morton, who I think is a fantastic actor who played Silas and, and Vic, is when um, he hacks the he hacks uh, Star Labs. And Silas is like, nah, ain't nothing wrong with this. And he sees him walk in. He's like, my bad. Nope. Yep. Yep. Everybody got to go. And Vic just walks up and gives him that nod, like, all right, you get it now. Um, uh, you talk about Barry Allen. Barry Allen's entire narrative is different because, like Dave said, you know he's a hero from the very beginning when he's trying to get a job and saves Iris just because he could. Just because he could. Right? There's so many dramatically different narratives. Aquaman, you got a chance to, you saw Atlantis for the first time before they even conceptualized. The Aquaman movie and vocal and the uh, the I did the overwhelming kind of pressure on him to be the bridge between two worlds. We didn't know that back then. We just knew yeah, he's around. There's just so much more narratively that was added to this. And most importantly, Steppenwolf was a completely different character. Not only did he look better, he looked quite badass, but to see the history of Steppenwolf whatever he did stepping out or trying to usurp dark side and getting caught and owing him a hundred, I'm sorry, 500,000 worlds. I believe it was 50,000, 50. 50. Thank you. 50,000. And the relationship with him. I gave side, him a was that? I said, I gave him a dollar. <laughs> the relationship between him and the side, the fear in his mind. And then dark side was fleshed out because you see why earth means something to him. Because if you know anything about Darkseid, the character, his whole existence is to subjugate and find the anti-life equation so he can subjugate easier. At the beginning of the movie, when they had the old gods, Zeus, and I guess that was Kilowog or whatever Green Lantern it was, and all the Atlanteans, and all the Atlanteans, and all the Themyscarians. The Green Lantern was in there. Right. And all the people, and they actually beat him. But when he put the thing on the ground, the anti-life equation, they didn't realize that's what it was. So now you have a reason this is happening. It isn't just random. Not only that, but you get to see they put the mother boxes there. The mother boxes didn't just appear on Earth 
like they like the Infinity Stones. They were put there for the purpose of taking over the world and got left because they retreated with their tail between their legs because they got beat down. It is such a different conceptualized and narrative movie. And the fight scenes were all together different. That final fight scene, they lost. They lost. And Barry had to go back in time and mess with the Speed Force to just a few minutes, just a few seconds to save them. It is a completely different movie. So I know stylistically and, and visually, yeah, there are some things that if you don't like those tropes that Snyder does, it can mess with you. But stylistically, narratively, and conceptually, there is no difference in these movies. I mean, I mean, well, there's 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 no similarity in these movies. It's technically, rest- doesn't doesn't Barry Allen mess with time twice though? Doesn't he bring the box, mother box, back out of the water before he touches it again? So he does it oh, twice. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I think the Great first one wasn't intentional. It was just because he was going so fast. It had the yeah. impact on on that. I think like the second time, he's definitely knows that he's oh, got to. Well, yeah, if he's got to break the rule, and he even said, "I got to break the rule to do it." Um, yeah, but I mean. I mean, but and it's it, kind of cool how there there are a lot of similarities with Infinity War, like Thanos reversing time to get the Mind Stone out of Vision, and here you kind of get the same thing. The biggest thing for me that this movie made me relate a, uh, a certain relationship to another one uh, from the Marvel side is the the more play on the relationship between Batman and Flash, and having Flash having more of a character. It, it feels the same as Tony Stark and Spider-Man on the other side, right? To me, yeah. it does a little bit. Yeah, like um, the, the mentor. Sure, sort of and mentor. the kind of goofy, happy-to-be-there kid. I, I'm just thrilled how they added everything in that you guys just talked about. I can't, like, I can't say it the same way you guys did, so why even keep going there? My thing is, where are we going to go from here now? Because this movie, the way it was just told, leaves so many options that should be there that maybe just aren't anymore. And that's really unfortunate because this really set this, if this would have been done the first time and everybody would have been taken care of the right way, then DC would have had a chance to set themselves up to do a bunch of shit like Marvel's doing. And now they just, they just keep turning around and screwing themselves over. So that begs a question that I wrote in the rundown that I sent to you all because Zack Snyder is on the record. Uh, has done interviews and said he is no longer doing, he will do no more DC films now that he's put out the Justice League. And it's long been said that this is this movie that now exists in a vacuum. So my question to you, because let's not forget how this film was put together and made. A small corner of a fan base. We mocked this fan base on this show that would scream for release the Snyder Cut. And let's let's also be clear, that fan base believed that there was this magical film in a vault that existed that just was being hidden, not that Zack Snyder would be able to come back and complete the work according to his vision, which is what really happened. He used footage that already existed and put it together the way that he wanted it put together with some reshoots. Does that corner of the fan base clamor enough for a continuation of this universe that Zack Snyder comes back. No. I don't know because why not? Because I don't because I don't think there's any positive for either for either party. I mean of course money, clearly, sure. But That's I don't the think key. there's any positive That's the right, key. but I don't but I don't think there's any positive uh for 
DC or Warner Brothers, and I don't think there's any positive for Zack Snyder for a myriad of reasons. When are we getting Robert Pattinson's Batman? Who's who's directing that? Uh, I don't know who's directing it, but I just read an article. To, I know I, I can't remember his name, but I just read today they wrapped. Today was the last day of filming. Wouldn't it make more sense for DC to be like, okay, we made the money we just made. Everybody's talking about it now. We've already everybody already knows we're going to go back now in time and we're going to have the beginning. Uh, Batman learning all the, all his tricks and everything. Would it make more sense for them to just start there? I mean, it sucks because they keep starting from different points. It's like you can never just tell the right story so you can move on and, and continue to do everything. I mean, the, the way these characters were set up from this movie was awesome. It, it, the, they all should have their own movies. They they all should be able to explore that, but they're not going to be able to. And, and that's that's the saddest thing about it. If but there's... It... Go ahead, Ray. Sorry. Oh, no, no, please. I'm saying this is what we said six, eight months ago when we first started talking about this, Pat. If there's a way to retcon this whole situation, especially now that you've seen this, if they're going to go and try and get this back on track, then you're going to turn the Flash movie into Flashpoint and hit the reset button at that point. That is an easy way to do it if they wanted to do that. I don't, I don't know if they will. There's a lot of bridges that were burned with the whole Zack Snyder, Warner Brothers rift, the Warner Brothers, Ray Fisher rift. Uh, I don't know. Well, and he, you also got to keep in mind, Ezra Miller's got his own problems too. He does. He does. And, and Ben Affleck, you know, whether he would be back, whether Henry Cavill will be back. Uh, there's so many moving parts and nobody's committed to the project like they were on the Marvel side, you know, for Robert Downey and Hemsworth and Evans and Scarlett and all these to just say, yeah, we're in, you know, for damn near a decade. You don't have that here. So, it's sad because clearly you can see when Darkseid says we're going to have to do this the old way and there's time to load up the ships and let's go. Uh, so there was obviously a vision. There was obviously a direction they were going to go with the whole Darkseid thing with the war. You could see that there was a way with the anti-life equation on Earth. They could have tied this into crisis, you know, with the anti-monitor and dark Darkseid. That could have been tied in. There were so many things that they just... If they had just given Zach, give him time to fucking mourn. I, and I love the uh, the last thing you see in there is for Autumn. You know, at the end of this thing, that was fantastic. You know, great tribute to the daughter. But it, it's it's sad that I don't think we will ever see anything more come from this. And it's too bad because when you really look at this movie, he really laid the groundwork. Whether you want to go down the injustice rabbit hole or not, another story entirely. But he had some really good things that were set up here that they could have built off of and. That's gone. Well, let me disagree with you on one point real quick, Dave, because they did have everything set up and everybody was in for the long haul, except for Warner Brothers. That's the difference. Disney was in all in for whatever Feige wanted to do. Warner Brothers got cold feet after three movies. That's the difference. Secondly, we got to remember, man, I, I love the Marvel process as much as anybody. I love it. I think it's fantastic. But I think there is something interesting to be said for the fact that DC tried it. They didn't like it, which is stupid, but whatever. Got to deal with what we got to deal with. And I flipped it and said, let's just be different. And I, I, I think different is good in certain situations because now their movies, their narrative has been terrible because nothing connects. It's all this or that. You don't know who's what. But their movies standalone have been better than the movies before when they had a connective tissue. So I think there's something to be said for this multiverse idea they're having where they're just going to do movies 
and they're all connected in some small way, but you'll never see the connections because of the multiverse theory. I think there's something that could be there with that if they play into it. And Joker was the start of that. Birds of Prey continued it because that was back on the regular Earth, whatever Earth it is, Earth One or whatever. Like, I, so I think that everything can't, you can't just copy the Marvel theory. You can't just, you just can't copy that. And that's the reason why DC so, messed up in the first place. Well, and so many people have, we've, we've talked about it on this show on more than one occasion. And this will be my last thought on, on this little bit. Marvel did it so successfully. And you have to look at this from a studio perspective. Studios look at what another studio does, says this worked amazingly. We need to replicate that because that's what audiences want. It's why when we make jokes about during the 90s project about, hey, there were two disaster movies that were about asteroids hitting the Earth. It's because studios see what each other do and they're like, this is what's going to be. Here's the other thing. Audiences, I think on some level, they're right. Audiences also expect a level of continuity with this genre because of what Marvel has done. And so you look at fan, like just following the Twitterverse and what they have said in reaction to this is so much of the, well, now what's going to happen or is something going to happen? Because maybe they haven't paid attention to what Zack Snyder said. Maybe they just saw what, you know, saw the movie and, and were blown away by it. Um, but yeah, you're right, Ray. Like I think that they've they've jumped in. DC has jumped in and is embracing something different. And at the end of the day, if you make good movies, people will pay for them. People will watch them, and you know you don't need to have a continuity in the world of comic book that books. That's challenging because the the continuity like you exist within the same universe, and so that's that's been a challenge. And only Marvel slash Disney has shown the dedication to make it so and make it work. Because Marvel had clunkers early on. Like we've talked about it on the show. The Hulk, The Incredible Hulk is an okay movie with uh, Edward Norton. It's an okay movie, but it's not good. Thor um, 1 and Thor 2. Thor 2. Thor 1 and Thor 2, though I have a soft spot for Thor 1. Uh, are Thor not 1 is a decent. Thor 2 is terrible. Avenger, Avengers Age of Ultron, I would argue people have gone back and given a second look. But it was not considered that great when it came out. Which, by the way, there's a slow motion hero shot of all of the Justice League like leaping into action at one point. And I was like, oh, look, it's the Avengers Age of Ultron shot. Uh, the, the, the other, uh, there are a lot of parallels because super movie, superhero movies are superhero movies. But yeah, I won't say that this was a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. I think it was a good film. I, I I'm not a, I'm not the DC guy, so for me, like I watched it, it didn't change my life. I know a lot of people were really excited about it. Uh, kudos to HBO Max and Warner Brothers. And honestly, we probably don't get this if there's not a global pandemic. Yeah, to, probably to, to be blunt. One thing I, I'll I, say I, before one... before we leave, I wanted to ask you guys: Martian Manhunter was that awesome or what? It's 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 one of the other reasons you want to just. You know that that takes you at a whole. It, it gives you a whole another setting to 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 wage this war. And from what we had coming with Darkseid and and Desaad, I mean, you know, I don't want DC to give us what Marvel has given us, but I want DC to give us something that is connected in some kind of way. Can we do that, or can we just get a starting point? I mean, 
I don't know. It's it's why I always say the best DC going on. It's on television. It's on the CW. Right. And and you know, uh, I Martian Manhunter was a surprise to those who aren't like us nerds who are really into the behind the scenes of stuff. But I legitimately, I legitimately thought Henry, whatever his name was, uh, the general was Martian Manhunter before they ever announced it. So I popped hard for the lowest lane scene, which was fantastic with Martha. But I was, and I knew that was coming. I had an idea that that was coming because I saw the picture of the eyes. But the end of the movie blew me away when I he came and and, and saw Bruce. I like I lost my mind for that because I had no idea he would actually announce himself. So yeah, and I thought of you, Dave, because I know that's your boy. I, I thought he, I I mean when he comes in and you see a guy with a cape, I'm like, oh, Superman's coming to visit Bruce. And that's not what you got at all. They 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 completely switched that. Also, they uh, the little uh, Ryan Choi is in there, so they were setting the, the Adam. They were setting the Adam. up for Adam as well. So, last last thought from me, um, and then we're going to go to a quick commercial break. Uh, actually, a couple of things. If you're looking for some interesting reading, go take a look at why the decision was made to keep the four to three aspect ratio. It has everything to do with the filming for IMAX. That was the original plan for Justice League, and it's just kind of an interesting little tidbit on why it was the way it was, and that's what the in keeping with Zack Snyder's vision was. It was not about some weird, high, lofty, artistic thing for your television. It was for the IMAX filming that would have been a different experience had it hit theaters. Before you make your last couple points, and I, I know you're trying to wrap and move on here, but what? It, how long did it, can we just go around the horn, how long did it take you to get over that? It took me, like when it came on, I was like, oh, what the fuck? But then I would say less than 10 minutes, I really didn't give a shit anymore. Yeah, same for me. Like it was nothing. Like it was, I, one, I'd seen everybody talking about it, so like I wasn't surprised by it, but I, like I saw the I saw the little disclaimer because I saw it about a day later than everybody else and and I just moved on like I was like whatever like it's not the first time I've seen a four to three aspect ratio film on a widescreen television I never noticed it because I was watching on my tablet you know and so I didn't on the tablet there is no four three ratio it's just there it's like oh cool the plus whole screen's been, filled up plus I've watched twenty WrestleManias in the last two and a three weeks so those are all four three as well <laughs> right there you go there you go. Last thing that I wanted to point out, that epilogue, um, which reminded me of the epilogue to <laughs> to the Lord, Lord of the, the Rings. Rings. I knew it was coming, man. Um, but here's the thing. You could tell. I felt it like I, I appreciated it, but it was so disjointed because it's one of those where it looked like these are all credit scenes that got put together in an epilogue as we kind of moved from back to back to back. And the just sort of the way it kind of took me out and we didn't even talk about this, how we didn't set up the Legion of Dune with that Lex Luthor scene on the yacht. And clearly they were setting up a Batman conflict with Deathstroke and Lex Luthor at the end, of, at the end of that flick. So that's going to do it for our discussion of the justice league. As you can see, all four nerds, I would say are nerd approved I would not be surprised if you read the nerd review that the reviews are positive, though I'm sure I'll be the East German judge. When we come back, we are going to take on our top 10 comedies of the 90s as we wrap up the 90s project. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. 
Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Welcome to the 90s. Welcome to the 90s, Mr. Pong. <laughs> oh, man. I, I got to tell you, fellas, I'm going to I'm going to miss the welcome to the 90s intro. Thank you for making that, PC Tony. You got to give credit where credit is due. The live studio audience brought that together. Live studio audience, give a round of applause to Mr. PC Tony for his great work. There you go. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I hear you. So, oh, sorry. I, I got a little verklempt. Um Talk amongst yourselves. Here we are. I, I dropped coffee talk during chair shot radio by accident instead of hockey talk uh, this past Sunday. So that was, that was smooth on my part. Hardest list, hardest list, Tony. I mean, yes and no. It, it, Dave, Dave shook his head. No. Okay. But yeah, go ahead. The, the, the things that get left off, it's hard, but at the same time, I think, for me, being my favorite genre, like I love everything comedy. I'm such a sitcom, stand-up, movie, comedy, comedy, comedy. Um, I, I pretty well much knew when it came down to breaking it down from about 30 to 20 down to 10. These are the ones that, for me, did it. So, Dave? I mean, from the standpoint of sheer material to choose from, this had the most substance to it by far. I think the way that we set the project up, saving comedies for last, and we've talked about this on other episodes, shifting a couple of the sports ones to sports movies, freed up a few spaces. Uh, but I'm kind of like Tony. Once I got down to like my top 20 and looking at that and kind of really eyeballing that and said, you know, I think these are my top 10 and and I feel good. I mean, any any of my top 10 I could look at and say, honestly, I could have made any of these number one and I wouldn't have lost any sleep about it. So... I think the hard part was 10 to 1 as to how you're ranking them. But I think once I got down to it, at least having the 10 in place, yeah, some of the other ones were harder, I would honestly say. Huh. Ray, did you have any trouble making this list? I didn't have the opportunity to have trouble because I made it like two hours before the show. 
Uh, nothing like doing your homework right before it's due. Well played, sir. Well played. But but to, but to be and real quick, to be fair, um, I don't think I had as much trouble as you guys did because I got to remember my age. So sure. like a lot of the movies that I'm sure you guys will have, I've never seen. Not that I don't know they're funny. I just I've never seen. So it was a, easier for me. It's the best part about taking the bus to school when you're in grade school or middle school, whatever, is that you have an extra 20, 25 minutes to study for a test, right. scribble math answers down that don't look like anything because you're on a bus. <laughs> totally. I've, I've been there entirely. For me, much like the two, like, like Tani and Dave, like you said, my God, I spent, like I had all these movies and started eliminating. And as I'm working my way down, it was really what makes my final, like the last spot. Like, which movie did I really want to talk about? Isn't it to, isn't it like, because everything else is a little bit formulaic, the other categories, like yeah. I need a little bit of this, I need a little bit of that, you throw a pinch of this right. in here, and, and that's how action's made, and then that's how drama's made, and that's how horror's made. But comedy is very personal, right? Yeah. So and, and our, it's going to have a, bit, a very, very much bigger cross-section. Right. I think our brand of humor is... You know, it's that can that can also be very unique too because you can have a dramedy in here, right? You can have goofy slapstick shit, and I have a little bit of a little bit of everything. I think, in my opinion, when when and I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at the list because I sent it so late, but I yeah, I had a little bit of everything, and so I'll be interested to hear. Did you send a rundown? I didn't look. I did, but I wrote the wrong date I because I did that copy-paste thing and then forgot to change the name of the file. So I didn't look at the rundown because I knew what we were talking about, and I didn't want to see your list this week. Oh, I haven't, oh, I haven't that, seen huh? it, so I'm just going to... All right, so we're all going to be in this together. Well, I'm yeah. pretty sure you and I, Tony, share number one because we've talked about this pretty frequently. Really? No, I'm going to be surprised. Okay. Well, this week's order... Uh, sorry, Ray. I don't. I couldn't remember. You've been gone for so long. I couldn't remember where you were in the order. So, I just threw you in the next to last. So it'll be myself, Tony, Ray, then Dave. That's what we're gonna do today. Sorry if that. I don't even know, Ray. Did, I think Dave, you've now gone last last two weeks in a row. So my my fault. Um, you're you're well, old. You know how I like I, to bring up the rear pat. Anyway, so go ahead. That's, that's oh, true. They so call we'll him Mr. Choo Choo. Quick reminder of the rules. I am rules. a backdoor man. Anyway, go ahead, Pat. Right. Remember, everyone, to flag people down when there's things higher on the list with the old fingers up. Um, shit, I lost my train of thought. Oh, um, and just audience, just remember these are our lists. These have all been our lists. They're what make us happy, and we feel like you should watch them. With that being said, I'm going to kick off with my number 10. I'm still smarting over that action adventure lone commenter on Twitter. Like the one guy who was all like, what do you guys even watch? It's like, well, we watched this. That's why there are number ones. Anyway, my number 10 comedy from the nineties is a Kevin Klein movie de uh, directed by I Ivan Reitman called Dave. And Dave is not David Ungar, uh, but Dave is the story of uh, Dave Kovic who is a bears an uncanny resemblance to the president of the United States. And when the president of the United States unexpectedly suffers a stroke while having an affair with his mistress, Dave is brought in by the secret service to 
poses the president while the crooked chief of staff sets things up for his own presidency to take over. Uh, and, and through this film, they are completely caught off guard by Dave, who is just this optimistic, nice guy pretending to be the president. And he endears himself to the country in his recovery from the stroke and proves to be too much for Frank Langella, who is who plays the chief of staff, to handle. There are a lot of uh, terrific actors in this film. Uh, Laura Linney plays the mistress of the president. Kevin Klein plays both the president of the United States and Dave. Uh, Sigourney Weaver plays the first lady. Uh, Ving Rhames, though, steals the show for me as the chief of the Secret Service detail that is with Dave at all times. And there's at one point where Dave is talking to him and this is where it falls into his dramedy range. Cause he's talking to Ving Rhames and he's like, so they always say that the secret service would, would take a bullet for the president. And Ving Rhames is like, absolutely. He's like, so that means now you're taking a bullet for, for me. And it's like this really serious moment. And at the end of the film, without spilling, uh, spoiling too much of it, they have this moment where they're sitting in a car and Ving Rhames looks at him. He's like, Dave, I would have taken a bullet for you. And it's like this just great movie. And I love optimistic films. This is a very optimistic rose colored glasses movie in the same vein as Jimmy Stewart movies like Harvey and Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It's my, it's actually my all time favorite comedy but it is not my it is not the best comedy of the 90s which is why it's my number 10 because I had to include it for my own sake but not because I figured it would be on anyone else's list. I've seen the movie before it's very funny like you said there there is a little bit more to it than just the comedy but it's a very well done movie a lot of good acting in it. If you haven't Sir seen ben it before Kingsley. I definitely yeah I mean I definitely suggest watching it if you've never seen it before regardless of how old you are. No way I'm going to watch a movie named after me. That's just too egotistical. Anyway. Tony, your number 10, sir. My number 10 stars Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick, and it's called... No, it's higher on Patrick's list. It's called we'll higher it. on we'll Patrick's save, list. We'll save, the, we'll save the password for later. Ray, what's your number 10? My number 10, I think, might be higher on somebody else's list, but it is... Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. I had Austin Powers coming in at number 12. So, um, you know, Mike Myers was a... Mike Myers was a... Uh-uh. Here, I'll play, play it again. again. Give it a second. What does it all mean, Basil? I lost my mojo. Um, Go ahead. Mike, Go ahead. Mike Myers was a force in the 90s, man. You know, um, SNL, Wayne's World, Austin Powers. But as a kid of the 90s, there were not very many more quotable movies than Austin Powers. And, you know, now being a wrestling fan, I'd never heard of the mod or whatever they call it until I saw, you know, but now I, I see um, Flash Morgan Webster and I'm like, oh, that's what he was doing back then. Put the connection together. But it is a hilarious movie to me. Um, I... I mix the two up together because it's been so long since I've seen them that I can't remember if certain parts were in the gold member movie or certain parts were in the first movie. But I just well, there's remember three of them. Elizabeth Elizabeth Hurley's in the first one. Just remember that. Is Which she, one is Fat Bastard in? 
Heather that Green. is, uh, uh, that Spy is that's like me. three. That's, no, it's that's a Spy Shagme, isn't it? The Spy is Shagme is Fat Bastard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it the one he said I went on the subway diet, now my neck looks like a vagina. The one with Heather Graham, cool. right? That's that's the one you're there thinking you of. Go. Yes. Spy Who Shag- Shagged Me has Heather Graham and has Mike Myers playing Fat Bastard where he's introduced. It's also the introdu- introduction of Mini-Me. Um, International Man of Mystery, actually, the little O'Dowd was a big fan of that. We haven't watched the other two yet because it starts to get a little... The, the humor gets yeah. a little more debased as we move further along. But dead sexy. Like a, looks like a baby's arm holding an apple. Right. The the thing I love about International Man of Mystery, though, is it's not just a send off in a parody of spy movies like James Bond. It's also an homage to laughing mm-hmm. like the, there's segments that are just so it's just like he puts so much into his comedic background and things that he loved. It's very, very good. Um, I, I Austin Powers, any of the Austin Powers movies, like almost made me list. They, they got cut Great out. Oh, right. Yeah, good call. That was one of my first honorable mentions, man. It was one I was not happy I left off. My wife wasn't thrilled about it either, as you heard before we got it. Yeah, it was like 11 or 12 for me. So my number 10 is the gangster rap parody CB4. That's a good one. It's not on my list. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It is just definitely Chris Rock. uh, The Ray, you need to see CB4. Yeah, Ray, oh, Ray you've never seen CB4. Ray, you've never seen CB4. Go see CB4. I've never heard of it before. Oh my god! Oh my god! Plat's go gonna kill you. You need to watch CB4. It is absolutely. Like Plat's seen it. Like tonight. Yes. Hold on. I'm gonna jump on the internet for you. I'm gonna do you a favor. You keep talking, everybody. Yeah, just get get the Phil Hartman scene, Pat, because under no circumstances are you to perform sweat of my balls tonight. You know, this is the kind of movie (laughs) that it's all about. I mean, and I've seen on the internet, they have done like a compilation where it's, it's, it's straight out of low cash CB4's version that melds right into NWA straight out of Compton. The songs are so similar, but it is a straight up take a parody of NWA. And, and they even get ice cube in this movie as well. But Chris rocks parody of gangster rappers. and, And this sort of thing is absolutely hilarious. Oh, Pat's got something. It's on Peacock. And we all have fucking Peacock. So watch it today. I don't have it yet. Watch it, Ray. Tell me what you think. I'll watch it before pay-per-view. Yeah, Yeah. Chris Rock is phenomenal. The whole thing with uh, Dead Mike and where he turns into (laughs) talking about I'm black, yo. And I mean, it is is hilarious. Phil Hartman is phenomenal in this movie. Absolutely phenomenal. R.I.P. Phil Hartman. Rest in peace, Phil Hartman. He's just so good as the super straight-laced, you know, guy on the Sacramento City Council. That scene with him is, is great. And Chris Rock singing, you know, Ozzy Osbourne can bite the head off a fucking bat, but I'm going to jail for singing a song about the sweat of my balls. Something's really wrong here. It is absolutely one of my favorite movies. I love this movie. CB4 is number 10 oh. for me. Yeah, good choice. Go to, go to your number nine, man. My number nine, let me ask you guys something. You ever suck dick for Coke? I'm just wondering <laughs> if you ever have, you know? Because my number nine's higher on... I get, well, you're saying it's higher on your list, not that you've done that, right, PC? Okay, just check it. All right. So we'll move on then. So, Ray, back to you yeah, for your we'll number save, nine. We'll save that Dave Chappelle movie for later. <laughs> <laughs> um. As you guys will notice, a lot of my a lot of my movies on my top ten list tend to be cultural. Um, so my number nine is Rush Hour. 
I would have had Rush Hour probably at least on the honorable mention top fifteen here, but I put it into action. I think, yeah, great fucking movie, right? Sure, and it's and it's so many comedies in the nineties. Like I, I, I understand that I probably I'll probably be super unique in this, and I'm okay with that because I know there is so much. But um, you know, there is a long list of buddy comedies, like buddy action comedies, um, Forty Eight Hours and Beverly Hills Cop, and there's so Little Weapon. But you never thought you'd see Jackie Chan, right? Like you know, Jackie Chan is one of the most badass humans in the world. But you didn't. I did. Nobody really knew he had like a legit comedic timing. And Chris Chris Tucker was again another underrated star of the '90s. They had impeccable chemistry, and yes, there are some there are some parodies in the movie that may, in all of the three of the movies that may not work in 2021. But I mean, at the time, my God, it's the the the, the two between them is hilarious. The, the banter between them is hilarious. Um, it is a straight up action movie, but it is it is full of comedy, and I I, I rather enjoyed seeing Jackie Chan get a chance to just kind of chill, and not have to be the dude that kicks all the ass and like actually gets a chance to have some fun in the movie for once. And um, Chris Tucker's always been hilarious to me, but the the banter between the two, um, all three of their movies hit, and Rush Hour again. Being a being a black kid in the '90s, like you ain't see Rush Hour, you was tripping. Something was wrong with you. So that's my number nine. I don't think it was just being a black kid in the '90s. I think it's anybody who was kind of in that time frame of teenager to you know early '30s, even whoever. It was it was a really good fucking movie. It had great comedy. It had great timing. It, it had a good story and had phenomenal action. I mean, it is literally probably one of the most underrated movies. It, I don't know a person that ever watched that movie and said, I wasn't entertained by it. So I completely agree with you. And how many people know the, the war, what is it good for song from Rush Hour? Absolutely no one. <laughs> is it my nine now? It's it is yes, nine. sir. My nine, if nobody has it higher, is Tommy Boy. Just Chris my- Farley. Chris Farley, David Spade. I mean, I can get a good look at a steak by sticking my head up a butcher's ass, but I'd rather take the cow's word for it, right? I mean, I can take a shit in a box and slap a guarantee on it, but the only thing you're going to have is a guaranteed piece of shit. What are you looking at, Richard? Maybe she dates one of the Yankees, huh? What's your favorite What's your favorite little, ras- little rascal? Is it Alfalfa or is it Spanky? I mean, that movie is hilarious. I knew a pair of brothers... One was in my grade, and his younger brother was two years behind. They knew the whole movie. And one night, we played cards, and we let them recite the whole movie to us. It was fucking hilarious. This is just some of Chris Farley and David Spade's best work. Another good body comedy. If you've never seen it, and you like kind of a little bit off-the-wall crazy story, uh, check it out. There, there's so many one-liners in this one. It's amazing. Absolutely. The power of Saturday Night Live cast members during the 90s was ridiculous, whether it was Mike Myers, Dana Carvey. We're going to talk about Adam Sandler later. Uh, Chris, Chris Farley, David Spade. Rock. Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Um, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Hell, even Tim Meadows had a moderately successful pair of comedies in, in The Ladies' Man. It's The lady. What is your romantic <laughs> queries? It was just, it, it's fascinating. And I, Tommy boy is great. I always love when he's describing, here's my, here's my sale. 
and you it's your pet oh my little pet and you hold the pet and you stroke it and you massage it and it's a naughty little pet it's naughty you're naughty and then you it's great god we've, you're sick. we've talked about the beauty of chris farley as a comedic actor on this show it's, multiple times yeah and this is like chris farley at his best man like chris chris farley was a force of nature oh yeah it it Again, another, and you know, we've already talked about this with Phil Hartman and his passing, but another one just crushing when he passed away. So, yeah, Tommy Boy, no fault there. My number nine is South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. I started higher, to put it on, but I, I was like, I can't do it. Higher on Tony's. Higher on Tony's list. So, that brings me to my number eight, which is uh, from 93 or 94, and it's Dazed and Confused. Is an homage to the 1970s. And let me just go through real quick. I'm going to read some names for you. Mila Jovovich, Adam Goldberg, Anthony Rapp, Ben Affleck, Cole Hauser, Jason London, um, Joey Lauren Adams, Rory Cochran. Just, oh, and I'm sorry, Mr. All Right, All Right, All Right himself, Matthew McConaughey. Just a loaded ass cast story with absolutely no real plot to it. Takes place on the last day of school in 1976 following a junior played by Jason London who is like the star of the football team but is also a big time pothead. And... The coaching staff on the football team is trying to get all the players to sign a pledge saying they won't smoke pot and that they will put themselves towards a championship season. Meanwhile, they follow this young man named Mitch, who's played by a guy named Wiley Wiggins, who's done nothing since this movie, who is an incoming freshman and is trying to survive as the incoming senior class tries to find and paddle any and all incoming freshman boys. And it's just, it takes place in Texas. It's a bunch of kids being kids. And I think my favorite, the token black guy characters uh, paddle, it's called the soul pole. And it's great. It's hilarious. Ben Affleck plays this guy named O'Bannon who flunked. So he's coming back for a second senior year, ready to bust people in the ass all over again. He's like the sadistic dude. It's it's great. It's good stuff. Uh, no real plot to get in the way. Uh, just a lot of fun. I've seen it. It's a good movie. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. The cast is phenomenal. It's it's just a lot of people that went on to do a lot of different things. The soundtrack the most, is magnificent. Oh, yeah, it's a terrific soundtrack. One of the most disturbing lines in history, though, delivered by McConaughey. Nah, man, that's what I like about those high school girls. I get older, they stay the same age. Yeah, that's right. Best Way to go, Matthew. Stuff, but it was funny. It was. Tony, back to you for your number eight, sir. My number eight is a movie named after a day of the week, and it's higher on Ray's higher list, on. and that's why I didn't say it. Ray, your number eight? Uh, so, and I want to remind you guys again, too, you know I missed the action show. Yeah, it's so okay. I have a few actions, and speaking of action is, this is actually a superhero movie, a uh, comic movie, uh, Men in Black. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, no, it's not. Our, we talked about it in sci-fi. 
That's yeah, yeah, we did. Like, yeah. No, we but, all had it on. We oh, all had it uh, right up towards the top in sci-fi. So very much respect this movie. Love it. Yeah, okay, that's so, why. That's why. That's why there was the deadpan reaction, man. It wasn't like, oh, we hate this movie. <laughs> like, I do not remember that, movie. but my bad. Yeah. Gray's looking around, looking for like where are the crickets, man. What? <laughs> you ever seen the the Joker movie when he's telling the the jokes and he's just like, "Yep, that's um, it." Well, I, let me say this then, since we all talked about it on sci-fi, I I'm I'm not gonna parse words. We're long enough in this episode as it is, but um, just want to say that Will Smith was my idol and my hero as a young kid, and so like every movie he did in the '90s was like i was there even the bad ones wild wild west it has a very nice place big place in my heart and uh but i think of all the movies he did in the 90s men in black may be the best um so you know and then people may disagree with that but uh yeah i'll i'll, I'll move on and we, we can blow over more about some other stuff that we haven't talked about yet shout out to tommy lee jones though i the fugitive whoever mm-hmm. whoever picked the fugitive good fucking call my boy that was pat I just- I just watched it today, actually. I finally got it from my local library, like, three weeks after the episode. Fantastic call. So, just wanted to throw that out there. Tom Lee Jones is the man. So, my number eight could actually be... I might as well just... This could be my motto from now on, Pat. It is grumpy old men. That's my number eight. (laughs) Higher on PC Tunney's list. All right. I guess I'm not the only one who finds it funny. Number seven, you knew this was coming. Because you're not going to have a lawyer on your show without the ultimate lawyer comedy, and it's My Cousin Vinny. So oh, my Good cousin call. Vinny my number 15. Make my list. I had a 15. Yeah, I, was, I, had a 15. I was talking about what I kicked out, and between 10 and 11, My Cousin Vinny was the one I removed from my list. Now, if we got any of these youths listening, you might want to explain it to the youth. I said, say what? Mr. Gambini, youth? what did I tell you about wearing that outfit in court? You were serious about that? It's fucking fantastic movie. Ralph Macchio, I mean, after the whole Karate Kid thing was over, this was the most significant role that he did before Cobra Kai came along. It is just, I mean, it, it is hilarious. From a lawyer standpoint, there is actually a lot of what he does in breaking down witnesses on cross-exam that is pretty accurate as far as like what happens in the courtroom. Some of the stuff he says where he just tears these witnesses apart. But I mean, Joe Pesci's I'm performance. This guy. Yeah, I'm through with this guy. What do you think now, ma'am? Uh, holding up three fingers, you know, and uh, let the record reflect. She's holding up three fingers. Your Honor, please. You know, stuff. And uh, That's good. Frank Fred Gwynn was magnificent as the judge. Marissa Tomei was holy shit. What a powerful Oscar winning actress, Marissa Tomei. Yep. What she a won an Oscar for it. Yeah, I mean, right. she was it's, magnificent. It is it is just so funny and it is a staple. Anybody who's gone through law school, I remember specifically being in law school talking about this movie because it came out right as I was in law school. So it is just I mean I mean just powerful performances of an epic comedic level that and you you know we talked about like Goodfellas was my number one drama, um, and then you look at this performance by Joe Pesci and there's still elements of 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 Tommy in his performance of Victor Gambini in this, uh, or Vincent Gambini in this performance, it's, um, it's tremendous. I mean, <laughs> the public defender who stutters whenever he's trying to ask a question is, right. uh, is just, I mean, there is so much about this movie that is just epic. And, uh, yeah, my biological clock, I don't have one, but if it did, it'd be ticking away. So 
my cousin Vinny, number seven for me. Excellent, excellent choice, sir. On to you for your number seven, then. Um, so this is a very immature movie, and it is the quintessential teen movie, uh, I think, of the 90s. But my number seven is American Pie. Donnie, to you. Oh, someone's got it higher? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, my number seven is South Park, the movie. So, no, I I wouldn't do that. I would maybe say, shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. You're a <laughs> cocksucking, ass licking Uncle Fucker. You're an Uncle Fucker, I must say. You fucked your uncle yesterday, you know? Or, well, Cosmo, bitch, is big fat bitch, is the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. She's the biggest bitch, there was a bitch. She's a bitch to all the boys and girls. I went and sat in line with friends to go see this movie and literally had the entire audience clapping during Kyle's mom's a bitch. And you can call DP right now and ask him because he was there. It was one of the funnest movie experiences I've ever had in my life. It was, you got his number, go for it. Um, I, I just, it was excellent. I mean, Saddam Hussein and Satan shacking up. Um, you know, if you, if you hear this, if you hear the sound of a dying giraffe, uh, retreat. What's a giant giraffe sound like? You know, I mean, there were just so. Brian, what would Brian Boitano do? You know, that's he'd what Brian Boitano would do. He'd probably kick an ass or two. That's what Brian Boitano would do. So all the continued shenanigans that Trey Parker and Matt Stone do. If you haven't watched the pandemic specials or and the the vaccination specials, it's it's freaking hilariousness. When when they want to they can put out genius smart stuff and here's the thing that i think is this i think this movie is a genius film on their part because it attacks censorship it not so subtly goes after racism my one of i died all right i died when the general is giving the military plan to attack the canadians and he's like, Regiment 27, and all the white people raise their hands. And they're like, okay, you're going to be positioned here. Regiment 15, and it's Chef, the lone black, di- <laughs> lone black dude. He's like, you're going to be protecting the front of Regiment 57 in Operation Get Behind the Darkies. And Chef's like, haven't you heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? And the general just goes, I don't listen to hip-hop. And I die. It's hilarious because it's like, oh my God, they just went there. They did. And that's the thing that I've appreciated about them. When when they are on it, they they put out really biting genius satire that gives people the heebie jeebies because they swear a lot. Go listen to and see the Book of Mormon if you want to just see how freaking good they are like it's it's ridiculous and this movie was what told you that they could make a broadway musical because and that's the other thing is blame canada stole the show at the fucking oscars and i'm glad you brought that up yeah bill collins and tarzan because that's what's comfortable to which they proceeded to then make an episode where they killed phil collins holding his oscar so uh, yeah, excellent choice, Tony. Obviously, it was on my list as well, down down to number nine. So, well, well played. And that that brings it to my number seven, I do believe. Which uh, this movie's already been mentioned once. Uh, another Saturday Night Live movie, maybe higher on another person's list, and that's Wayne's World. Uh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey higher up on both Tony and Dave's list. So that brings me to number six. I love a good romantic comedy, and 
I, I'm not even ashamed of this. I love a good romantic comedy. And I love Julia Roberts. Seriously, have a serious crush on one Julia Roberts. And so Pretty Woman is my number six. This is my uh, mom's favorite movie, by the way. I, that, that, it's, it's it bothers funny. me that her favorite movie is about a call girl. But, you know, what can you do? Well, and I debated between this movie <laughs> and Notting Hill. Like, it re- like cause Notting Hill with her and Hugh Grant is also quite good. I enjoy them both very, very much. I own them both. Pretty Woman. Um, I mean, it's got its problems. Jason Alexander, Richard Gere, uh, Julia Roberts. It's just Gary Marshall put together this, this really... I am just terrific, witty movie about, again, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's a little sappy and silly, but a a high powered businessman who falls in love with a call girl who kind of teaches him how to actually enjoy the world around him instead of buying companies and tearing them apart piece by piece. You know, the premise is ridiculous, but it also gives you lines like, um, was it Laura Sanji Giacomo plays the best friend Kit? Uh, she's waiting in the lobby, and this old man's looking at her, and she's like, 50 bucks, Grandpa, for 75, the wife can watch." Yeah. Um, and, and just every and everybody just getting incensed. It's it's good stuff. I love it, and uh, yeah. So I will unapologetically say that Pretty Woman is my number six, and we'll pass it back to Tony. I love I love uh-huh. the movie, man. Love the call. Uh, it's it's. It's a phenomenal story. I mean, Julia Roberts, kind of the reluctant call girl. That so there's a lot right. of there's a lot more depth to that movie than color. Be happy. There's a sofa in here for two. <laughs> I've seen this movie more than once. Uh, don't forget, Jason Alexander is in this movie Jason, as well. Yes, um, it's a very, it's a very, it's a very, very good movie. Um, my number seven, I or not my number six, I think might be higher on somebody else's list. Um, I don't. It, I think it's maybe too early to get to party time. Maybe we have to call, you know, game off for a minute before we can call game back on, like I thought. So, uh, number six, Ray? Um, I'm looking at my list and realize that one, uh, we've probably talked about a couple more of mine. But anyway, my number six is a movie that I've told you guys I love fantastically and tremendously. And it's Fern Gully. Fern Gully? I'm joking. I'm joking. Good trolling, Ray. <laughs> Nicely done. Stop the recording. <laughs> no, it's Sister Act. I have I have bloviated to you guys about my love for Sister Act and my love for Whoopi Goldberg, my love for nuns in general. Um, I went to private school. Tell us something about that, Ray. I'm just just wondering. Well, I mean, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're not playing that game. Whoa, quite platonic. Platonic. Um, (laughs) I went to I went to uh, a private Catholic school for my elementary and middle school, so I have a I have a very. very special place in my heart for nuns and Sister Act Man is just a fantastic movie. It's hilarious. Both of them are great, but the first one, there's something special about the first one because Whoopi put her foot in that movie. Um, every Kathy Najimi and uh, the cute nun who I, nobody ever remembers her name, but the one that can sing. Um, yep. Yeah, man, it's it's just fantastic, bro. Um, and the the I love premises that get people outside the comfort zone. So putting like a lounge singer. And throwing her in like in the middle of a convent, who thinks of stuff like that? But it works. It is a very fun hour and a half to spend time with, and it gets serious. It's not just all hijinks. It it has some moments where it really gets serious. So, yeah, that's that's my number six. 
If you like nuns, Ray, don't ever watch that exorcist jump scare that we talked about last week. Now, you'd never oh, watch I watched it. it. Oh, shit. Oh, did you? And yeah. you're still here? But you're I, still with us? The exorcist movies don't scare me. Like, the, I watched the exorcist for the first time when I was seven years old and I laughed throughout the whole movie. All right. We, we talked about horror last week, Dave. Why are you trying to stir the pot? I just, because he mentioned nuns and I just thought of that scene. So. Hey, but that jump scare is fantastic though, because I did jump. It's one of the it's one of the best jump scares ever ever made. Tony, where where do you and your or not Tony, Dave, where do you and your number six though, sir? Yeah, my number six is one of Patrick O'Dowd's absolute favorite movies. It is Dumb and Dumber. So, I mean, Pat hates this movie. Oh, Ray I'm just going like... to mute my mic. Okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Ray, is it higher? Ray had it no, way, I... way lower. I hate this movie too, man. <laughs> Really? It's a great it's, movie. I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I laughed maybe five times, but like, it, at a certain point, bro, come on. I mean, it is. I'll put it this way. I before you get into it, Dave. I think Patrick doesn't like that kind of humor, and Ray might have been too young at the time. But I love it. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is slapstick at its absolute maximum. It is dumb humor at its absolute maximum. It is. These guys are so stupid. They're funny, and that's the. I just. I, I just think. Jim Carrey's performance and Jeff Daniels just makes me laugh every time I see it. Uh, you know, the whole the whole moped ride up to Aspen where I got to go to the just go, man. You know, <laughs> just, I mean, I get it. There's some adolescent stupid humor in there. But, you know, like you said at the outset, some of this is going to appeal to some of us. It's not going to appeal to others. It obviously doesn't appeal to Pat. It doesn't appeal to Ray. Tony and I are just immature like that. So, you know, that's. I got Dumb and Dumber number it, six. It, I, it, it, go ahead, Ray. I just want to say it blows my mind that like Jeff Jeff uh, Jim Carrey is known as a comedic actor. He can do dramatic, but he's known as a comedic actor. It blows my mind that this is Jeff Daniels because like I don't remember seeing Jeff Daniels acting anything besides this until the newsroom. And then if that's your if you watch him in the newsroom and then go back and like. Oh yeah, he was in Dumb and Dumber. No, who who the hell is that? That's not him. It but blows my mind. But for a lot of people, it happened the opposite way. Yeah, he's in Arachnophobia too. The other the movie that. Yep. So uh, my number my number five. I guess we're back to my number five. Is you right. know, just the the ultimate movie about a bad day that just never ends, and it's Groundhog Day. My number eleven. It missed. Sorry, sorry, curve. It missed my list, man. It's 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 it's, uh, it's Carl's favorite comedy of all time, Ray. I mean, it made someone's list. Yeah, we're just not going to live by your rules anymore. I mean, shout out to shout out to Outsider Carl. I mean, this one is kind of along the lines of Pretty Woman. It's a romantic comedy in a certain aspect of it. Sure. No, it absolutely it absolutely is. You know, really, because he's trying to win Andy McDowell. Like that's that's the goal. Right. I mean, just trapped in where where is he? Some town in Pennsylvania. Puxatawney, 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 Phil. That's right. And he just can't escape. And it's hilarious how he has to go through so many trials and tribulations just to get out of this situation. And you think it's never going to end. And I mean, it, it it's a it could be a fantasy movie. It could be a lot of different things, but. I just love the movie. I love Bill Murray's performance is, is phenomenal. So, yeah, I mean, everybody's talked about it. Most people have seen it. Groundhog Day is number five for me. For me, it's on my list of movies that I watch when they come up during the holiday, right? Like for Thanksgiving, I got planes and trains and automobiles, right? For Groundhog Day, I, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch Groundhog Day. 
Um, you know, it, it's a classic. It's a cult classic. I love the Jeopardy part where he stayed long enough that he learned all the Jeopardy answers and he sat down there and amazed everybody. You also get the number of different ways he tries to just thinks if he kills himself, it'll be over. Like he sits in the tub and drops the toaster in there and everything else. So it's a brilliant concept, to be honest with you. I mean, nobody had thought of making that movie before. And Bill Murray did a wonderful job in it. That's a great call, Dave. Thank you. All right. Is on me? It is. To your number five, sir. <clears throat> should I wear this Tech 9 with the high tops? Hmm? Or should I wear this Uzi with my low tops? Hmm? Hmm? Don't, don't be a menace uh, to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. My oh, God. God. That is possibly the funniest movie I've ever seen. And when you when you started talking about CB4, I thought you were talking about this. This movie is... You don't have it higher, do you, Tony? No, no, no. It's okay. a great movie. It is hilarious. And it is... The kings of parody in movie are the Wayans. And they kill this movie. It is a parody of all of those hood movies. Minister Society, uh, Boys in the Hood, all of those movies... Um, I mean, Low Dog, Marlon Wayans is like hilarious. It's a precursor to what they're going to do later on with Scary Movie. Yes, Scary Movie, um, the the Haunted House. They've done so that they, they they've done almost all of that. But Kenny Ivory Wayans, this was like kind of I'm gonna get you sucker is the first one, but this is like yes. the one that broke through, right? And I mean, there are so many quotable movies. The uh, part where they're the, they're in the uh, and the corner store and the Asian lady's like, hurry up and buy it. And then, and then the white guy comes and kills the dude and then drops the OJ glove and crosses off the... Like, it is hilarious. If you <laughs> haven't seen this movie, I implore you. Of all of these movies, this is the only one that I implore you from my list to go watch because you will laugh the entire hour and a half. There is I not second, one moment you won't. Yeah. I second you, Ray. If you haven't seen this, this is another one you need to go check out. The title is long, so don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. That's it. Oftentimes just shortened to don't be a menace. Rolls out the tongue, doesn't it? It does. Tony, we're to you and your number five. What do you got for us? My number my number five is a Dave Chappelle classic. It's a cult classic. It's half baked. It's phenomenal. I mean, should we use Wesley Pipes or should we use Billy Bong Thornton? Um, you're cool, you're cool, you're cool, fuck you, you know, whatever. Opposite of that, honestly. But it's a great movie because Dave Chappelle, it, it tells a good story. Um, I, I don't really know how else to put it, but it, it's Buttercup, Buttercup, Butternuts. I mean, it's it's just... <laughs> I love Butternuts. <laughs> butternuts! Uh, Harlan Williams kills a police officer's horse by feeding it when it's standing on the side of the road and he ends up going to jail. So in turn, his roommates end up have to sell marijuana to get him out of prison. Um, at the same time, Dave Chappelle works at a clinic where he can get a hold of it. It's just, it's just a fun movie. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I, somebody else had it on their list. I had it, I had it nice. It is absolutely phenomenal. Now I'm going to take your little Mexican friend over here. I'm Cuban B. Yes. Cuban B. It's just, there's so many quotable. Mo- and yeah, the Bob, Bob Saget thing earlier that we mentioned that. Right. Wow. <laughs> and then what, what is it? Um, Stephen Wright, correct? Just crashes on their couch. The guy for on like the couch. The entire movie. The guy. Yes. Yeah. The guy. Yo, man, they killed. They killed Killer. 
<laughs> kill, killer, kill. Phenomenal. Great. Yeah, movie. Bob Saget. The, the second he stood up and did that thing during the during the Alcoholics Anonymous or the Drug Users Anonymous thing, like he just he just died. Boo this man. Anyway, um, yeah, excellent, excellent choice. My number five. Um, I, be, I believe you have my stapler. I'm gonna I'm gonna set the building on fire because Tony has it higher on his list. It's next. It's gonna be on the way back. We can talk about. I mean, you, well, we can talk about it. Go ahead and give your give your four, well, and then we'll talk about it. Well, next my, my number my number four was one that you dropped earlier that is higher on my list, and that is the bath word is foreskin. Well, where do you want to? Which one do you want to hit first? Your call. Let's tackle. Let's tackle cable guy, and we'll 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 give. Um, We'll just do we'll we'll do um, office space on the backswing because it's we're back to back anyway. So, Jim Carrey, it's funny. I, I I don't tend to love the popular Jim Carrey movies, like the the ones that made him huge. I like they're like they're okay. Like I don't I can't stand Ace Ventura. Yeah. Uh, I mask. couldn't stand the mask. Yeah. I I didn't care for a lot of what he did, but the Cable Guy in this dark comedy film with Matthew Broderick, a young Jack Black is in that movie as the best friend. And to me, it's the basketball scene, the rec league basketball scene when he puts in the mouthpiece and the headband and starts just wrecking everyone that cracks me up. Janine Garofalo is the waitress at medieval times. Uh, there were no forks in medieval times, therefore there are no forks at medieval times. I, it's just, it's brilliant. It's funny. It crack, it, I love it to death. It's my favorite Jim Carrey movie. The bath word is fourth again. Get exactly. Your, get on your horse, buddy. I don't think he's kidding. So to me, like Patrick, you brought it up, the basketball, medieval times, but the best one where Jim Carrey just hits it out of the freaking park. I don't know why I'm saying freaking. I've said fuck like 10 times already today. When he's leaving the messages on the answering machine. And he's like, oh, I thought maybe you might have been blow drying your hair and you missed my call. Call me back. We can talk about it. And that's like the 10th message. And it's just like, oh, my God, this is the obsessive friend, right? And he's so annoying. Uh, It's just a perfect role. The, the two of them to put together make this movie so excellent. And who who doesn't at the time, like if you go back and you live during those times when maybe you had to have the cable guy come out and install your stuff and you could still be like, hey, where did, did you drop this $20 bill? Um, I heard you guys can give us more channels, you know, like that kind of shit happened. So like cable guys would hook people up on the side. So right. it's, it's, a, it's a really cool movie for its time. It may not translate for people that, never lived without a cell phone, but right. if you can get into and understand what was going on technologically at the time, it's so good. And when he when he do when they do karaoke, I mean, ah, great, great movie. By by the way, the one last bit that I gotta share from this, when they're fighting on the satellite dick, oh, he's about- like, you fixed my lips. And then he punches him again. He's like, you thought of a biff. No, he <laughs> goes, he goes, Steven, 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 Steven. Steven. <laughs> That's what it is. I just, oh, he gets that list back and it's hilarious. All right. So to, to flip it back, the, Tony, you, you, uh, you mentioned this was higher on your list. So I'll let you go first since I went first on the cable guy. Uh, Office Space. What an amazing movie. 
I know everybody. Dave, you had it too, I think. I believe or no. Um, you you talk about one liners. You talk about uh, who's the boss? What's what's the boss? Lumberg. Uh, Lumberg. You know the TP the TPS reports. Uh, you know you got the Bobs who, and then you got Michael Bolton. You know what? Right. Which song's your favorite? How can I pick? And then you got the neighbor. Um, what's his name? Bader Dietrich or something, right? Right. What's his name? Oh yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, um, turn from whose line? Sam. Yeah. Hey, hey, turn on seventeen. There's got boobs on. Uh, it's just a, they take the printer from the office out back and they beat it up gangster style. Like you know, it's an amazing movie. Why does movie. it say I, PC low letter? Why does it say paper jam when there is no paper jam? Motherfuck shit. Uh, uh, uh. So this is the first comedy that I picked that was like I could feel it because I work in an office like this with like the cubicles and like shit not working, um, three different people bugging me about how I do my job, uh, the TPS report. You talked about the TPS report thing, like all what of that. What would you, what would you say that it is you do around here? I told you, I work with the goddamn customers. I have. People skills. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> and then when he gets in that car accident, he events a jump uh, to conclusions, man. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and all these different thing ever. conclusions you can jump to. Oh, it's it's so great. Uh, Jennifer Aniston as the waitress over at Tchotchkes who gets angry at the you know the fifteen flare. pieces of flare. Oh, so much so that that movie actually led to TGI Fridays getting rid of flair, like. That is outstanding. It tells you the cultural impact uh, that office space actually had. And yeah, damn, it feels good to be a gangster when they when they use the uh, they use the computer virus from Superman three to steal uh, decimal point roundups. I always make some kind of mundane detail. This is not a mundane detail, Michael. Oh, it's great. Unbelievable. They send you to federal pound me in the ass prison. Yeah, take over, Ray, before I keep quoting Office Space. <laughs> okay. Please, Ray. Go. Um, you guys may have talked about this in the action episode, but uh, my number four was Bad Boys. I don't think it made our list. Did it make it? I don't think it made in it. Action? Action? Honorable, in action? Honorable mention. No wonder people was mad at y'all's damn action list. My goodness. The Fugitive was number one? What? I don't know. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all. Fugitive is fantastic. Uh, Ray, I mean, I, this might come as a surprise to you, but as a white dude who lived in middle of nowhere, Illinois, we didn't really watch a lot of those. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Aha. Uh-huh. Makes perfect oh, you sense. Can't see it. I had a number 11. Okay. Yeah, you, uh, need to, you need to change your background to not um, something with white so that the picture doesn't disappear. Well, just change the background in general. That, that doesn't bother me. So just like you could change it. Oh, I like it. Okay, good for you. Uh, <laughs> inside joke. Inside. No, it really doesn't bother me. That's not the one that bothers me. You put the other one up, I will hang up the skull. Swear to God. Swear to God. I cannot be more serious. Um, let me know. Let me know when you guys want Ray out of here. <laughs> well, bye. That's been my. That's been my time, y'all. I'll see y'all on Chair Shadow Radio Thursday. Uh, no, uh, Bad Boys. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith, Martin Lawrence. Uh, two the two of the biggest. TV stars at the time getting a real chance to kind of flex their muscles on screen. Um, kind of the advent of the superstar Will Smith. But throughout all of this James uh, 
not um, what's the Bay? What's the Bay's dude name? Michael Bay, uh, of a uh, apex of Michael Bay blow em up movies. We got all of this in Miami. It is funny as hell. It is hilarious. The the flip flop of uh, pretty boy Mike Lowry having to go and be the home kid, be at home because they got the late uh, whatever the girl's name is the um, the uh, witness that has to stay. Martin Lawrence's character has to pretend to be Mike Lowry and playing of that. It's it, it's it's a fantastic movie. Number one, it's a great action movie, but it is hilarious. Again, a million quotables. Um, again, multiple great sequels that even get better than the original. Uh, but since we're in the '90s, I just wanted to point it, uh, attention to this particular movie. Uh, get another list of great buddy cop movies, and uh, yeah, bad boys. Nice call, Ray. <clears throat> Tony, did you do your four, or is it? It's to me for number four. Yeah, because. Right? Tony and I's five and four were matched okay. up in opposite let me, let me ask you guys this for my, for my number four. A sphincter says what? Nobody? What? A sphincter says what? Stairway closed. <laughs> I don't know if it's higher than anybody else, but it's Wayne's World. No role. stairway. Denied. I added it number six. What movie is it? it? Wayne's I, World. Wayne's World. Okay. It was my number seven. It was lower on Tony and I's list because Tony raised me. Then you re-raised Tony, you splashed the pot, and now we're here. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time they turned an SNL skit into a full-length feature film, isn't it? Correct. Uh, was it? Roxbury yes. was that time? They had no, no, there's, no, there's, nothing, there's nothing before Wayne's World as a movie from Saturday Night Live. The, okay. the only one that came close was maybe Coneheads, but I think yeah. Coneheads was that. Yeah. I mean... Just the phenomenal performance of Mike Myers and Dana Carvey and Rob Lowe and Tia Carrere as the <laughs> as the hot bassist and and I mean, geez, this movie they they took just this concept that was on SNL and had gotten super popular, wrapped a whole movie around it, and the movie exceeded the anything that they did on SNL, which was shocking. It re single handedly reinvigorated Bohemian Rhapsody and made that a number one That's hit nice. again. As That's great right. as that song was in the first place, it's it's a, a tour de force in every freaking way possible. Absolutely love this movie. So quotable. Many quotes. You know, we fear change. <laughs> Just Dana Carvey is, is magnificent. You're going to spew, spew in this, man. That's right. Let's go. Where? I'm low on gas and you need a jacket. Ed, o, Ed O'Neill as the donut shop guy yeah. who tries to take over the camera at one point and Wayne has to like call him back. Um, I know what you want to do. Bohemian. You want to pull his heart out of his chest and hold it in front of him so he can see how black it is before it dies. No, just me. I was, I was, I was thinking of, I was thinking about maybe just a grievance with the union. <laughs> follow a grievance with my union. Well, then you get yeah, the multiple just, ending. You get like the Scooby-Doo ending and everything else too, right? right. Like, uh, them playing street hockey, game off, stampede, right. game off. Well, and I used to do that. I mean, we used to do that as a kid. We played baseball on the street with uh, with tennis balls. And when a car would come, you'd, you'd do that. You'd yell car and you'd move out of the way and then he'd come back on. And it just reinforced my childhood. Dave, you mentioned, and everybody knows that I Queen is my all-time favorite band. Wayne's World is the reason for that. Because the video 
got re-released and was on serious airplay in 1992 on MTV and VH1. And everybody like they did the headbanging thing with the guys in the car and everybody got into that. And I, you know, I was kind of just sort of finding my own like taste in music at the time. I was like, I really like these guys. And I was going through my dad's LPs and in his collection of LPs was night at the opera day at the races news of the world and it was just like queen album after queen album and i borrowed them all to like listen to them all on the strength of a song i liked that was played in in wayne's world in bohemian rhapsody and so this movie is why is a big reason why i am such a huge fan of queen and you know there's there's right and there's there's so many other like there's great actors and cameos Wayne's World 2, which is while not as good, still really good. Um, I was uh, who is it that? Um, what took you so long? Well, I've been crossing my T's and dotting my lowercase case J's. Um, who played Stacy? I'm trying to remember. Deborah Messing, I think, played yeah. Stacy. Donna in Dixon had a cameo in this. She was the donut shop girl who uh, yep. Garth has got a crush on. And why don't you just go talk with... to her? <laughs> I fell. Yeah, I love you, mystery what do lady. You do? She makes you feel kind of funny, like when you climb the rope in gym class. Yeah, well, I mean, right. Kim, Kim, it's Kim Basinger in the first one, right? No, that's it's no, Donna she's Dixon. In the, in the she's first in the one. Oh my bad, my bad. She she steals Garth away from Wayne in the sequel. That's right. So yeah, I, Wayne's World's my number four. So on to my number three. Well, Pat mentioned Ace uh, Ace Ventura earlier. Mentioned Jim Carrey. Ace Ventura is my number three. I know Ray doesn't like it. I know Pat doesn't like it. Ace Ventura. This is the, my wife looked at my list. This would have been her number one. So that's how much she enjoys Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Go ahead, PC. You want to say something here? Next time you get DP, ask him to do the sucker style kicker graduate color hire 1981. He can do the whole thing from beginning to end. Ray Finkel. I, I mean, there's uh, there's so much quotable about this, but it's not worth quoting unless you can do it like Jim Carrey because it's just it's just doesn't matter, you know. But his Finkel Einhorn, Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel's a man. Oh God, Finkel's a man. <laughs> the whole crying I, game I shit. For, for yeah, for as much as I dislike Jim Carrey and I don't really care for Ace Ventura, the crying game parody after that, where he's curled up and crying and or in the shower, like just. It's hilarious. Burns that is some good clothes. I, I mean, the stuff where it's clever stuff, uh, talking out of his ass, literally talking out of his ass. Uh, Tone Loke with a, a unappreciated performance in this movie, I would have to say. He was really good in it. It's it's just, I, I mean, the stuff in the pool, you know, where, where he's imitating Star Trek characters, you know? <laughs> just, right. It's like a... God damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a pool man. I, this stuff is just so damn funny. And it, it's just, I mean, wrapping this around the Miami Dolphins in a Super Bowl bid. <laughs> Dan, Dan Marino and his isotoners. They got everything in this movie. It is, it is phenomenal. It's one of my absolute favorite. My favorite Jim Carrey movie. I like the second one too, but it doesn't compare to the first one. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, number three for me. Number three for me is a rehash. Uh, we talked about it. I, I didn't realize when I was coming up with my list. But uh, we talked about it on the, the, night, on the um, animation family show. But it's Home Alone. But I also think, too, that 
you can't think of the '90s in comedies without Home Alone, uh, without Joe Pesci and whatever my man's name is, Daniel Stern. Yeah. Oh my God. And there's just so many hilarious moments, and uh, it is the seminal kids movie. Like that. One. I think an overarching theme of the '90s was kids and teenagers trying to be cooler and older than they were. And that was the movie that made any kid feel like, oh yeah, <laughs> I could be grown. I could, I could take care of my house like that. Clearly, we couldn't. But uh, yeah, I'm not gonna rehash on it. My, my 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 number two, my number one though. I'm I'm very comfortable. I if if we were just coming up with it, when you looked at these lists though, Home Alone was on these lists because you Google everything. I Google as many lists as I can so I don't miss anything, right? And on yeah, almost same. every single list. Easily top twenty-five, whatever. Home Alone shows up every single time, so that's and, a great pick. And full disclosure, I deleted my old list from the old shows, so I forgot I added I had it on that, which is my fault. Uh, but again, I'm not prepared. Sorry. We know number New one's kids, Fern Gully Ray, so it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Actually, <laughs> Fern Gully is number two. Okay, but yeah. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! So my number three. My number three is, it might actually be the funniest movie on on this list, um, but it's my number three. It's Grumpy Old Men. What what you know, what Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau and 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 Burgess Meredith do is fucking unbelievable. And even two is 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 funny. It's not as good as the first one, but just the concept and the play and these. You know, Levin and Mathal, they've been working together for years. So it's it's like when you just put old pals together and you're riding a bike and the way it comes off is just hilarious. It's hilarious. And the older you get, I bet you the funnier it gets. Because I remember seeing this when it came out because of my dad and my grandpa. I remember seeing it 10 years ago. I remember seeing it about six or eight months ago. And I just laugh harder every single time I watch this movie. It's comedic genius. Looks like Chuck's taking old one eye to the optometrist, huh, Tony? It's I actually, you know, the the uh, the outtakes are even better with him just going through all the different ones. He's gonna take the skin boat to tune it down. down. <laughs> oh, and the Mess outtakes in the second up. one are excellent as well. Uh, the, the stuff he does yeah. in the second one are fantastic, also. One of my favorite things is when he brings him this uh, uh, to take a beer from the six pack and he takes one and he takes the five and he gives them <laughs> and then he puts the uh, Walter Matthau puts the dead fish in Jack Lemon's car and they're nice. fighting over the girl but they're not really fighting over it no, no, but they're, they're it, not it's, fighting it's a... over the girl they're fighting over Ann Margaret all right don't besmirch the well, classic beauty that I, was Ann. not at all not at all but it gets better in two because Sophia Loren comes around so. oh she still had it I'm just saying Silver Fox. Uh-huh. No one's arguing with you. Nope. All right. Does that bring it to me? Is that what is it time to drink, everybody? For my number three. My number three. The price is wrong, bitch. Higher on Dave's list. All right. So we'll go to my number two. I'm not even supposed to be here today. I had a lot of trouble picking a single Kevin Smith movie. So I went with my favorite Kevin Smith movie, and that's Clerks. And the reason I picked Clerks is because I worked in retail, and I feel just like just like Office Space. I felt so much 
of what happens in Clerks that uh, I just couldn't pass up. This is when the world was introduced to Jay and Silent Bob. It was an independent movie. Nobody had ever heard of Kevin Smith before. He made this movie on his own dime. It's shot in black and white. It's cheaply shot. It's poorly shot because he worked with the money he had. And it's just a collection of like non sequiturs following this guy, Dante, who gets called into work because he's kind of a pushover. And he works at this convenience store, the Quick Stop convenience store, which next to it has RNF video because it had a video store that is being staffed by his best friend, Randall Graves, who is the more memorable character of the two. But throughout the whole movie, Dante is just whiny and pissy because he's not even supposed to be here today. And you just watch all this crazy stuff happen around them throughout the entire flick. And there's just... He learns his girlfriend has sucked 37 dicks. I was about to say, how many dicks have you sucked? (laughs) And he gets mad. He's like, I can't believe this. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. And this guy's like, in a row? Try not to suck any dick while you're going through the parking lot. Hey, come back here. Come back. Like, just stuff like that. You've got Randall. Randall leaves the video store at one point to go to a better video store so he could rent a movie. And he comes back with hermaphroditic porn, beautiful chicks with dicks that put his to shame. Uh, there's this whole segment where they sit there and they vent about the customers. And it's just like, it's hilarious. Like somebody standing in front of a display being like, how much does this cost? And it says like 99 cents all around them. It's, it's everything. I I experienced working in retail as a clerk and you could tell that that Kevin Smith clearly worked as a clerk too at some point because that's what he's put in spawned multiple sequels led to him making a very good living with two characters uh Jay and Silent Bob Jason Mewes has his career to thank uh or has Kevin Smith to thank for his career and I love it I can watch that movie anytime all the way through it's dated now because it was made in the early 90s but for the time, man, right there, dude. The second I one feel is bad fantastic. That it, I love the second one too. I feel, yeah, the yeah, Clerks Two is good. I, I feel bad that I didn't have a Kevin Smith movie on my list. Mallrats is my personal favorite. Um, yep. Dogma, Dogma is excellent. Chasing Amy. I mean, like you can run the gamut with Kevin Smith, and it's just right. a it's just a really really good series of movies. I even enjoy the one that he had with Ben Affleck. Um, all right. ah, what was no 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 later on down the line anyway i'll look it up here but well, yeah Kevin uh, Smith. his ben affleck is a buddy of his and so he was in clerks too he was in cha- no, he's no. in chasing amy he's the lead in chasing after amy. that after uh, that the one that everybody uh, shit on Dan silent bob strikes back uh, uh, the that's one, that one. Of, um oh um jersey girl jersey girl yes jersey girl which jersey. has one of the funniest scenes ever with um Ben Affleck's daughter having to do this like talent show and all the with their family and all the families are doing routines from cats and his daughter does a murder scene from Sweeney Todd and it's hilarious. George Carlin's in it. Um, no, yeah, Kevin Smith. I almost put mall rats. I went back and forth. Uh, obviously, the Stan Lee cameo is is banger um, is good, good stuff. So, yeah, that was my number two. Uh, Tony, moving to your number two. I think my number two is your number two, man, or your number one, man. Yes, it is. All right. There you go. Yeah, well. Ray? 
Number two, Ray. My number two is Friday. Yeah. I ain't got no uh, job. I ain't got shit to do. Hey, come I, back uh, here taking the shit. I had number eight. I had number eight. It was a great movie. I've never, like, I've never they... seen Friday. Oh, what? my God. You've never, you've never seen Friday? Isn't there a movement to, I've, like, uh, get it? Re- never seen isn't Friday. There a, isn't, aren't we still trying to get them to get somebody to release the rights to something so we can do Friday, too? Ice Cube has this preternatural thought in his mind that he is free friday free friday (laughs) hashtag free friday yeah but nah chris chris tucker said he ain't gonna do it it don't make no sense because the only the only way you could do another friday is if you brought smokey back right exactly um but um chris tucker chris tucker which is probably the role that shot him superstardom ice cube uh john witherspoon late great john witherspoon neil long all of the who's who in black comedy at the time, Faison Love, the greatest of all time, Bernie Mac. Fantastic movie. Hilarious. Believe it or not, literally written by Ice Cube himself. The joke going around is that Ice Cube doesn't laugh at anything except for this movie. Because he wrote it. But he won't laugh at shit else. Uh, but so many quotables. Uh, my God. It, it's, it's, you know, John Witherspoon is, is probably my favorite TV dad of all time. Or movie dad. It's my man, you know, you just got knocked the fuck out. It's so good, dog. So good. Debo, in fact, Debo. This is the the, the lexicon of Debo is put it because of this movie. Heidi Lister got a whole new a whole new career after he got done getting body slammed by Hulk Hogan. Got a whole new career as Debo. So man, yeah, so much of this movie. It's 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 fantastic. And I'm shocked. You haven't seen it. Blown away. Uh, He's uh, gonna, I'm sorry. He'll own it. It's all right. Yeah, <laughs> I, on your list. I, I, I'll get around to it. Uh, so to me for number two, huh? And number one, I guess. Yep. So yeah, number two, my number one. two, you hear it every Sunday on Chairshot Radio. You hear a little snippet of it. It was so good that I couldn't put it on my sports list. I had to have it on my comedy list. The price is wrong, bitch, indeed. It is Happy Gilmore. Hockey player turned golfer. Everybody's gone out on the golf course and tried to hit that drive like Happy. None of us can do it. It's, uh, I mean, this movie is just too good. <laughs> By the Bob Barker golf. scene notwithstanding. Go ahead, Pat. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You should talk to my neighbor, the accountant. Huge ass. Probably a great golfer. If I saw myself in clothes like that, I'd kick my own ass. So, I mean, just... So many great quotes in that movie. Shooter McGavin is is just absolutely he. <laughs> he's just such a he's such an idiot, but he plays the villain. I air quote villain because he's not much of a villain, but you know, you know, oh, you're gonna you're gonna beat me with at golf. Well, let me tell you something, buddy. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. You eat pieces of shit for breakfast? No. <laughs> he walks away <laughs> just shit like that. It is such a phenomenal movie. It is Adam Sandler at his absolute best. And everything, I mean, you get cameos from Lee Trevino as they go along, uh, you know, take it out, the clown at the mini golf place. Carl Weathers is absolutely fantastic in this movie. It is, it is, yeah, I think this and Caddyshack are tied as the greatest golf movies of all time. I mean, no, ten, ten cups, ten cups stop, there too. Stop but. that. That's some Justice League level hyperbole there. You will not say that about Caddy. You will not put those in the same place as Caddyshack, sir. It's close. It's close. Don't forget I, Ben Stiller. Your fingers hurt? 
<laughs> oh, well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled landscaping. Dude. Can I have a warm glass of milk? It helps me sleep. You can have a warm milk. Uh, shut the hell up. You will go to sleep or I will put yeah, you, you will to sleep. That's where the rock got it from. I debated between this and Billy Madison for an Adam Sandler flick. And I went with this one because the, the narrative is just a little more coherent. The jokes are a little more coherent. They sort of fit in a little bit better. You don't have invisible penguins. Uh, the, the like weirdness of Adam's humor is in those weird dream sequences with his grandma and a kiss mask and the, the little person riding a, uh, a pony and just all of that bizarro. Um, what's her name from modern family? Uh, the mom, what, who's Julie the actress? Bowen. Yeah, Julie, Julie Bowen. Bowen. She's in that. She's in there as the love interest for Happy. It's a it's a great great film. I enjoy it thoroughly. I think it's hilarious. So good good choice for number two, Dave. So my number one is uh, Ray had mentioned it earlier. Ray, just let me ask you something, or let me tell you something. This one year at Bandcamp, you know what's number one? It's American Pie. It is the ultimate teen movie from the nineties. It is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, by modern standards, four high school seniors making a pact to get laid. Maybe not the most politically correct thing in the world anymore nowadays, but Jesus was this funny. And the stuff that these guys go through to get to that end point and the creation of the Steve Stifler character, Sean William Scott, Steve fucking Stifler. who reprises this role in an entirely different movie in Road Trip in the year 2000. That's Steve Stifler in Road Trip. <laughs> Even if he's called something different, but I mean, this is where Jason Biggs gets introduced to the world. Really, I mean, Allison Hannigan. Yeah, Allison Hannigan. Uh, Eugene Levy really got his oh, big. Oh, as as break. Jim's dad. Oh my God, yes. what a performance! Chris Klein. Yeah, Chris Klein comes in this one. I, there are so many great performances, and just the, I, I mean, Shannon Elizabeth. This is when the world gets introduced yeah. to her. Tara Reid. Yeah, Tara Reid. I mean, it's it's a it's a massively tremendous cast all operating i mean and it is relatable even if it's 1999 when this comes out so i'm at this point i'm in like 30 i'm 30 but i think everybody can relate to what these guys especially if you're male okay maybe for the females not so much but every like my wife's like i don't get what's so great about this movie it's like because you're a woman maybe but (laughs) uh from the guy standpoint we can all relate to what these guys went through and it's so it's very relatable to us on that level and it is absolutely hilarious the stuff that they go through the advent of the internet and how that plays a huge role in some of the funniest scenes ever that i seen. i think the term milf was coined by this movie wasn't it it's the first time i ever remember hearing it so i believe that's the first time milf was was ever said yes it, it took a major movie to supplant um, Happy Gilmore, but it's American Pie for me. What's amazing is that you're like, it took a major movie to supplant American Pie, and I'm like, I, it's not even on my Happy. list. Well, that's your problem. No, I'm sorry, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> but I'm just like, it's, I, I remember it. It was huge, and I remember loving it at the time. I also remember it's a movie I outgrew. Like, and I think that's one of the things is as I like watch it now, I'm like, like I, I just don't, connect with it the same way i used to it's highly like you said highly quotable um you know you were talking about the milf thing um what's his name harold from harold and kumar go to white castle and later films he's john is it jonathan cho is that his name john chu john chu John Chu. is it chu or cho i think it's an o not a u is it cho i think it's cho i'm I'm gonna look it up but um 
he like he starts in this whole bit role and now he you know he does all these great hollywood films um and yep he's sulu and star trek like it's it's crazy to to see where he's gone like that movie made so many careers like you said so excellent excellent good sequels i mean two was good American Wedding was good. It's still fucking spinoffs. There was an American Pie girls plan that just came out or something like that, or Ladies Night or something that just came out in the two in 2020. So they're now flipping the script. Slumber Party Massacre Three. Swirty House Massacre Two. Oh, sorry. No, American Pie presents girls rules. And it's essentially it's it's a flipping of the script. So yeah, it's it's done a lot. You can't deny that. One of my it's one of my favorites. It it again and, and if we're gonna if we're gonna put ourselves square back in the nineties and reminisce, you can't make this list without this movie. Great choice. Um my number one okay, well my number one is I'm shocked nobody said it, and maybe we said it in another episode I don't remember. My number one is Mrs. Delphi. Family movies. Didn't somebody say family. Like, it was in our family? I don't have it in my family. I don't. Was okay. Well, well I'm not saying it was Mrs. your Doubtfire. family list. Mrs. Doubtfire, then. Damn it. Uh, it's our family. Our families are real messed up, Ray. So that's that's. What well, it comes you, down yeah, to. right. Yes. <laughs> real personal story about about Mrs. Doubtfire, wasn't it? Was that you? Uh, yeah, because yeah, oh, that was my yeah. daughter. That was my daughter's favorite movie when she was one. Yeah. Yes, I remember that now. Yeah, because that's the first time I think we really saw. It. Okay, yeah. Oh shit. Still. Still, this may be the funniest movie of the nineties, and I'll leave it at that. Absolutely. Since apparently we spoke about it ad nauseum, and <laughs> so disappointed in myself. It's okay. You've been gone for a couple weeks. We forgive you. And Tony's trying to troll me with his with his background, so you know oh. this, is, this is a rough day for me. You rough day. Not to change it. You don't mind. No, I told you to record, change it. For, for the record, it's John Cho. Yeah, you're right. Once again, Patrick O'Dowd is right. Number one, I, I can tell my real number one, Fern Gully. So let me explain there Fern Gully you, yes, to you. Do it, please. I want to hear this. Is it on I'm me? Trying, trying to save my us. number one. Yeah, yeah. My number one stars Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus in a little movie called What About Bob? This is a movie where Bill Murray plays a hypochondriac and he gets treated by multiple therapists and end up, ends up getting referred and referred and referred because he just bugs the shit out of all his therapists. And he ends up with Richard Dreyfus, who has recently wrote a book called baby steps. And it, it's just, it's such a funny movie. I mean, Bill Murray does his best to play this character and there's development in his character as he goes along and becomes more comfortable. He shows up on his doctor's family vacation he shows up at like the operator station to get his number. It's the interactions with uh, Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss family is hilarious. Um, if you've never seen this movie, I, I strongly encourage you to do so. It might possibly be my favorite movie ever. I just, I don't know. Who hasn't seen it? Ray, have you seen it? Patrick, Dave? Oh, yeah. I'm oh, not. It was on my honorable mention list for sure. Absolutely. I mean, when he goes out on the sailboat, he's and yeah, he's scared of the water, and he goes out on the sailboat, and you see him on the sailboat, and then they pan out, and he's he's tied to the front sail so that he won't go anywhere, and he comes back, and he's so proud, he goes, "I sail, I'm a sailor now, I sail." You know, if the ship is worthy, I'll sail. 
Um, he ends up having a good relationship with the, with uh, Dr. Leo Marvin, who's played by Richard Dreyfus' son, teaches him how to dive. Richard Dreyfus doesn't necessarily like this and pushes him into the water. Um, th- there's the whole interview scene at the end. Charlie Corsmo, I believe, is the son. Uh, the famous line is, uh, can I have some peace and quiet? And uh, Bill Murray's like, I'll be quiet. And the kid goes, I'll be peace. <laughs> I mean, the thing about this movie, it's great, but I, I love like Bill Murray. You look at the range, I mean, underrated as an actor, you look at the range of him here and compare him to Groundhog Day, man, those are two amazingly iconic performances and at complete opposite extremes, showing just what a tremendous talent he was. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrific, terrific film. Uh, excellent choice. A very strong number one. And I guess that brings it the dude abides to my number one, uh, the Big Lebowski, which, uh, as a bowler, I find very amusing and and connect very personally. I think it's 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 hard to really it's a Coen Brothers film, right? About this drifter played by Jeff Bridges, which you want to talk about acting range. Jeff Bridges is an actor is is ridiculous uh and in this he plays this just drifter pothead bowler who has his rug stolen in a case of mistaken identity because a guy with the name with the same name is married to tara reed known as bunny and jackie treehorn this porn guy wants his money so he sends a couple of thugs to go after Jeff Bridges and they steal his rug, which really tied the room together. And it leads to a lengthy adventure mystery full of just bizarre characters from Julianne Moore to Philip Seymour Hoffman to that rug John really Tur- tied the room together, did it not? John Goodman in probably the most iconic roles out of there outside of the Lebowski as Walter Sobchak. I, as a bowler, have been goofing around during practice and yelled over the line at somebody. Smokey, I'm sorry, you're over the line. Got a market zero. Am I the only one who gives a shit about the rules anymore? Smokey, you're entering a world Damn it, Johnny, it's not nom, it's bowling. There are rules. Steve Buscemi, you're like a child who wanders into a movie theater in the middle of the film and wonders what's going on. Not John Lennon, Vladimir Ilyich. V- Vladimir Ilyich Ulyana. Oh. oh, it's so it's so good, and it's just this fish out of water sort of thing. Sam Elliott as the narrator, this cowboy sitting at the bar. John Turturro is the Jesus, because it don't matter to Jesus. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough about this movie. And while it's not my favorite comedy of the of the '90s, it just really has it all. It really makes you think. Uh, it's it's hilarious. Everything has to do with Vietnam when you're talking to Walter. And yeah, I it's it's to me it's the best comedy of the '90s. Uh, obviously, because it's number one on my list. So that's there that's are, my number are, one. There are conventions that, that travel around the world, and you get that kind of stuff. Um, the white Russian, the the drink came back because of it and everything else. And, of course, the, the most iconic line. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. I'm, exactly. I'm going to make a request. May I make a request? Yep. 
in the uh, with trying to uh, make a actual fair and legitimate poll, which I know we're gonna do. I'm requesting that we flip Mrs. Doubtfire on Friday and put Friday as my number one so we can have another interesting thing because I don't think it's fair since we already talked about Mrs. Doubtfire already. Is that okay with the group? Judges? Works for well, me. No. It's going to be an interesting foursome between American well, Pie, What About would... Bob, Friday, and Big Lebowski. That's that's very, very, very... Uh, yeah. They're all heavy-hitting Definitely. comments. I, yeah. I, I 100% am gonna, behind that thought, Ray. Yeah, somebody's going to bitch at us. That These are the best you guys could fucking come up with? Yeah. Probably. That's be, just like Dave. your opinion, man. I don't know. <laughs> to be honest with you, if we go with that four, I think that is a, yeah, that's that's a, a, good that's a very good four. That might, that might get us more than the 16 voters that voted in I the can, horror movie poll. We lost six <laughs> listeners this week, Pat. Shit. I can tell you, what about Bob will not win, but I'm glad to have it represented. Be, you'd be shocked. So, fellas, that is going to do it for the 90s project. So, yeah, round of applause to all of you. We'll put up the final poll, and then next week we'll just briefly do a wrap-up of every poll winner from the 90s project, and that will be a movie playlist for all of you bandwagoners of our top films from the 90s project that you should all check out. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? <laughs> And of course, that means it's time for Patrick O'Dowd has a question, and I'm not ready to leave the 90s project just yet. We have covered tons and tons of movies. We've gone over this. We've talked about honorable mentions. We've talked about all this stuff. So briefly, looking at you, Ungar, I do want to hear your thought. Whatever the lawyer talks, I, I'm shocked. Like, look at that face. He's like, what do you mean? Here's what I want from you. I want to know your overall thoughts about the 90s project and how how you felt it went. And I want you to give one omission that you can't believe you left out out of any of the any of the genres. I already have mine in mind. So if you need to wait and think for a second, I can go first. But I got one one omission that I kicked out. I, I'm very proud of this this series. And I know that Craig DeMarco gives us a hard time about the length of these shows. And I joke about it a lot, but I also know that they're well appreciated. I know that Greg enjoys them as much as he gives me a hard time about them. And this, you know, this was my, my youth, my, my, my teen and early twenties years. And so being able to talk about this era and, you know, was awesome and i can't look you know i will do the first decade of the 2000s and that'll kind of bleed right into to kind of the height of popular culture for me but this this really was awesome and a lot of fun to do with you guys for me the one omission that i can't believe that we all left out and we talked about this previously that i was stunned that it didn't make it in our drama list our action mist list or uh, and we, we almost talked about making a whole category for it that's tombstone we left out the movie tombstone starring val kilmer kurt russell and, and i'd still to this day i'm like how did i forget it how did i leave it out how did i not even think about it but i, I would have put it in either the 
action category or the drama category if I'd really thought it through. And uh, regret that, that, regrettably, Tombstone did not make a list, and I wish it had. With that, I will go to Tunny. I would. Uh, mine will be along the same lines, is that maybe that we didn't have a Western uh, top ten. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of great great different Westerns that happen throughout. Unforgiven is another one that is up there. I know we had that in another list and things of that nature, but it's just, it's so hard to do this. Uh, so, you know, people just understand that we have all these different movies in mind. We're just trying to get the most recognition with everything. Um, and then maybe that the fact that we didn't have our good friend Ray Cash for a couple of things, I know circumstances and everything else, but that's the way it goes. But I would imagine the lists are going to get probably a lot more similar as we move forward. Uh, if we do projects that nearer to where we are in history, so cool. Any notable films that you want to include? Or I mean, I, a lot. Of, I had a. I'm the guy who had the one through twenty, list twenty-five lists and everything. Um, but but I think you and I were both there with your wider or a uh, tombstone, uh, you know, addition. So definitely adding on to your cool. All right, David, what about you? Oh, I thought the 90s project was great. Great follow-up to the 80s project. Uh, it, it, it did. I mean, this is more in your guys' wheelhouse, definitely, than mine. Although, going back through, I was like, wow, I really, I'm shocked as how many of these I've seen. I did go and take the time to watch some other ones that I'd always heard about that I hadn't seen yet, you know, and, and there were quite a few movies that I said, oh, wow, this was really good. I can't believe I missed this all these years and that sort of thing. Um I, I would say probably like something I left off every list that I probably in retrospect, like should have made one of them. I'm not sure why I know I left it off because I knew it was on other people's list, but still, I, I mean, white men can't jump should have been somewhere on one of my lists. And, and it wasn't because I knew you guys had it, but in retrospect, look at it, it's like, man, you didn't have that on sport and I'm talking to myself in the third person. It's like, dude, you didn't have it on sports. You didn't have it on comedy. How do you leave it off both those lists it just saying, well, everybody else had it isn't really justification. That's probably the one that I look at and say, you know, that might have. And I think Flatliners. Tony mentioned Flatliners last week. Dude, that was one that I, I just completely forgot about. I mean, I love that movie. So that was one that I was like, oh, shit, I forgot about that one. Frankenhooker for me, then, if I had to pull uh, it out. Well, that too. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Ray Cash. Uh, well, first. Uh, <clears throat> I want to continue to say thank you for allowing me to be a part of these because I am the young kid here on the, on the, on the panel. So a lot of these is just me sitting back and listening and learning. Um, you know, the nineties was my, I was a kid, you know? So a lot of these movies I've heard of and never saw, um, or I may have seen clips or I may have heard quotes, but now I have now Now I have real reasons to watch them because I know what they mean to you guys. Thank you for that. Number one. Number two, I want to apologize again for missing two because that is my biggest regret of this whole thing is that I missed two episodes. <clears throat> but if I had to pick uh, a movie, I'm shocked you guys didn't pick Bad Boys. I'm blown away. But another movie I haven't heard, and uh, you guys may have said it in, in action or something, I don't know. But a movie I most certainly should have put on one of my lists is probably, uh, if I'm honest with you, probably the, the 90s movie I watched the most is not a family movie, and that's Twister. It I think made, it made it to the drama. It was on my list. Okay. I got you covered right. It made the action list, though. So, yeah. yeah. 
And a little insight into what Ray Cash does with his free time. He watches Flying Cows with Helen Hunt. Excellent. Well, for sure, right, he man. was going to say his biggest regret Terry was not having Fern Gully more. Well, look, I'm, I'm going. It, so to me, Fern Gully is number one in our hearts and in every category. But, Gosh. you know, I got to be realistic sometimes. All right. All right. All right. Well, excellent, excellent contributions, everyone, Fern Gully notwithstanding. Ray, why don't you kick us off and tell everybody where they can find you out there in the interwebs? I was going to say in Houston. I mean, well, if you want to come, no. Uh, yeah, you can find me at It's Ray Cash. That's at R-E-Y-M as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. Uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've been really busy, so I've kind of taken a bit of a lower profile uh, on the chair shop, but you can still catch me here. Every Monday, you can kill, still check, catch me uh, every Thursday, Chair Shot Radio. Outsider's Edge is coming back after WrestleMania, uh, so we'll be keep your people's people for that. Um, of course, we got The Weave every every Tuesday. And uh, me and, uh, you know, the commissioner over there got some interesting things we might be working on for after the new year. after the, Well, the new wrestling year, yeah. So, yeah, just we got some stuff coming. Yeah. That may or may not include Mr. O'Dowd and Mr. Ungar. Rup, rup, rup. Mr. Tunney, on that you segue. Can, you can find me at PC Tunney, and you can frequently find me on my internet browser heading on over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Oh, you got me. I forgot to pitch the shirts today. Oh, get your bandwagon nerd shirt. We need to sell like one of those. Just like one. You need to buy one. I should buy one too. I guess my one. Damn show. <laughs> There's week two. <laughs> Busted. After I begged Greg to make one, David, where can they find you on the interwebs? You can find me on Twitter at attitude ag. That is at attitude agg and facebook.com slash attitude of aggression. And of course here at bandwagon nerds. Excellent. And you can find me out there on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch me every Sunday morning on Chair Shot Radio with Mr. David Ungar when we talk some hockey and we talk about a team that sucks. This week it was the Chicago Bears. You can catch me every Monday here on Bandwagon Nerds and Wednesdays with Craig DeMarco and Miranda Morales on the Babyface Heel podcast. That will do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds on ChairShot Radio, part of the ChairShot.com. Now get yourself out of the basement, watch some 90 flicks, and try not to cry too hard over your busted brackets. I know I've moved on. This show was therapy. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com.
Yes, I am the best, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that was a tit. That is a tit. Oh. Yes. Oh, you're so big. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right, baby. Oh, dog, you want to hide his bones? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some bone smuggling, baby. Man, would you shut up? Oh, yeah. Hey, Jimmy. Just wanted to say sweet dreams. Yeah, yeah, sweet dreams. Good night, Mom. Yes, good night. Something wrong with the reception? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's this nature show that I'm trying to watch, and it, the birds are all scrambled, and I can't even. Dewey, yes. Uh, Baby, ride me like a pony. Thing must be broken. I oh. sat on the remote or something. Oh. I. I... Bed, yep, I'm all set, Dad. I'm all set. Yeah. No, no, I, I think he's trying to watch some illegal channels here. Illegal, illegal channels? This is just a uh, bad reception, honey. I'm gonna spank my hairy ass. What's that? Oh, it's such a big day really for the whole family. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the one who made oh, it happen. Dr. Leo Marvin. Dr. Leo Marvin. Get out. No, we won't get out. We won't. You deserve it. I mean, get out! Get out! Is it something I said? You've ruined my life! You've ruined my career! You've ruined my book. You've turned a perfectly peaceful house into an insane asylum. Get out! Daddy. My God, Leo, what's gotten into you? It was a disaster, Faye. No, it wasn't. You were wonderful, you sweetie. You fine, Dad. Yeah. Why'd you need to kick Bob out of the house? You think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone. Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Shut up, man. I'm the pastor. For what? Probably smoke bud, too. How you doing, brother Craig? How you doing? I'm all right. <clears throat> well, I'll see you. But yeah, is Sister Jones in? Nope. Need this brother Jones. They both at work. Well, your ass need to be nigga. Excuse me, brother. What we call drugs is 74th Street Baptist Church. We call us sin is sin, sin. Well, around here, between Normandy and Weston, we call this here a little twin and twin twin. Wow. Nigga. Why don't you just give me a little bit for my cataract? You didn't put in on this, man. You better get it received, my brother. Look, 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 she bending over. Claude, have mercy. The Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. Excuse me, brother. Miss Parker, Miss Parker. Can I talk Told to you, you. Miss Parker? We be letting you know. Evil lurks. Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light. And, you know, has it ever occurred to you that instead of, uh, you know, running around uh, uh, blaming me, you know, given the nature of all this new shit, you know, it, it, this could be a, a, a lot more uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know? What in God's holy name are you blathering about? He looks like a fucking loser. Hey, at least I'm housebroken. Huh? No, what the fuck are you? I'm not. The fuck is this? Obviously, you're not a golfer. They peed on the dude's rug. Donnie, you're out of your element. Over the line! This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass! I hear What the dude. fuck is he talking My about? My rug. Forget Good it, luck. Donnie, you're out of your element. I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. 
So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Uh, but Walter. Hell, I can get you towed by 3 o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Mr. Treehorn treats objects like women, man. Saturday, Donnie, is Shabbos, the Jewish day of rust. That means I don't work. I don't drive a car. I don't fucking ride in a car. I don't handle money. I don't turn on the oven. And I sure as shit don't fucking roll. Do you see what happens, Larry, when you fuck a stranger in the ass? Isn't that what makes a man? Mm, sure, that and a pair of testicles. Ow! Fucking you, you human paraquat! Where's the fucking money, shithead? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. Oh. Life uh, does not stop and start you know, at your convenience, you I, miserable uh, piece of shit. I, shut the fuck up, Donnie. Donnie, shut the fuck up. When do we play? Shut the fuck up, Donnie. 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 This guy peed on it. Donnie, please. Vagina.